All right, Coco Talk episode 47 is going live in three, two, one. Hi, this is Dale Lear, designer of TRS 80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk. Talk, the nation's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer, with your host, Mr. Gameplay Goodness himself, Stevie Stroh. All right, and welcome everyone to Coco Talk episode 47 at a special time, same channel, special time. We're doing it live tonight. 8 p.m. instead of 2 p.m., so hopefully you set your clocks ahead. And we're here, and we've got a great collection of people. we got some new faces, we got some old faces, we got some faces of people that are old. Of course, we're talking about David Ladd there. Uh, so why don't we go around the room here, and let's start off with Grant Leety, who is uh, got you know still suffering from bronchitis. So uh, we will save him from having to say hello, everybody, and get us all sick. Uh, you're welcome to say hello if you're up for it, though, Grant. Hello, everybody. <laughs> and then we have Lord Curtis Boyle is with us, as heard on the Coco Crew podcast. He graces us with his presence. Thank you, Curtis. Hello, everyone. <laughs> and we've got new to the show, but not new to the community, Tony Capolini. How are you, Tony? I'm good. How you doing? Uh, we're doing okay. Where, where do you Where do you hail from, or where do you currently reside, Tony? I'm in San Jose, California, but I'm originally from Pennsylvania. All right. And joining us from Brazil, Juan Carlos, how are you today? Oh, hello, people. Uh, I am an, I was an engineer who worked at a, at a company who made a clone of the color. And I have stories to share about how the community opened in Brazil, and it's his bandwidth really started. Are you still there, Juan Carlos? Oops. You're back. Internet connected up. Yeah. It's like that internet connection from Brazil is not what it could be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, developing world and all that. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I'm an engineer. I, in 1985 and 1986, uh, I worked at a company that manufactured a color computer clone. Uh, there were a, f a few companies that make Coco clones, and, and many companies who made uh, of other uh, known architectures, but they did so in a way that was slightly different from other countries because of uh, legal difference, and it's very interesting because companies uh, who manufactured computers from elsewhere were not allowed to sell in Brazil. It was called smart and the laws mm. uh, and a faulty copyright law uh, made for a very interesting environment. So I am going to start uh, telling a story and, and it's going to, to be a rather long story. 
So okay, uh, well, we'll get to that after we get through our introductions here. But yeah, we we'll definitely want to hear the story. But good. Uh, welcome to the show, Juan Carlos. What time is it for you in Brazil right now? Uh, 11 p.m. 11 p.m. Okay. And, oh, and it will be 11 p.m. again in an hour. Oh, right. daylight savings. I have, huh? uh, I have a suggestion there for Juan Carlos, which is what I often do when I'm joining this. I have my bandwidth is not fantastic, so you know as I've what I've done is I've called in without video. Unless you have oh. stuff that you're going to be showing on the call, yeah, I notice you have full video there. That may help your audio be a little bit more smooth and understandable. Okay, now I'm the question. There we go. All right. We also have joining us from O Canada, author of Forest of Doom and other fine products, D. Bruce Moore is with us. Welcome, Bruce. Uh, <clears throat> thank you. Good to be here. All right. I love the toque, eh? Right. We have gaming legend and programming extraordinaire Rick Adams is with us. How are you, Rick? Hello there. We have That's all the, I got. the timber man himself, Ron Delvo, is with Hello. us. Hello. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. Alan right. Huffman is in the house. How are you? Of Sub Ether Software. Good evening. Welcome to the program. From Miami, Florida, Barry Nelson. How are you, Barry? Hello. I've been puttering around with various stuff relating to the cocoa. I, there was a discussion on the uh, mailing list about the RS-232 pack emulation. I've been messing around with that under MAME. And uh, if, we, if it's a version of MAME where that actually works correctly, because so far I haven't been able to get it to work, but um, if there's a version where it actually works reliably, it might be possible to run a cocoa BBS on MAME on a, on a PC somewhere. That would be cool. Very cool. From sunny Southern California, Mr. Steve Bjork is with us. Welcome, Steve. Hey, how's everybody going? By the way, when we get done with these introductions, half the show will be over with. <laughs> <laughs> also from California, joining us again, Tim Lindner. Welcome back, Tim. Hello, everybody. Good to be here. Glad to have hey, you. Tim. Hey, Tim. From down under, the man himself, Mr. Nick Morentes is with us. Good day, Nick. <laughs> From the Great White North, co-author of Nitrous Nine, Bill Nobles with us. How's it going, eh? Yeah, it's going pretty good. Going good. From Southern Louisiana, Boise Pete, you grace us, sir. Thank you for being uh, here. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> and Ooh. from Whereabouts Unknown, Mark D. Overholzer, wearing a fine, dapper, royal blue Coco Talk t-shirt, which you can also get your very own copy of at uh, Retro Swag Shop. Uh, and last, but certainly not least, we have Sir David Ladd, Lord of the Floppy. Welcome, David Ladd. Thank you, Steve, and <laughs> I'm glad to be here, and I hope everyone else is ready to go this evening. Who are you, and what did you do with the real David Ladd? <laughs> yeah. wow. you're, you're giving Alan Huffman and his Jolt Cola a run for the enthusiasm <laughs> uh, right there. Um <laughs> In the live chat, Steve Powell is here. Michael Brandt is here. Ken, Ken Make It is here. And Extractus Productions, also known as Brian Joyce, also from Australia. Nick's neighbor is here. Good day to you all. So we've got a packed house on the live stream. We've got a packed house um, in, uh, in the call here. As he mentioned here, we just got through our 90-minute introduction. Mikey N6 Illinois has just joined us here in the live chat hi folks so um we're here we're at week 47 usually the first thing that we do after we do our introductions is um 
project updates and acquisitions. And I have, and this is not where we're going to tell our life story just yet. So for those of you who have the stories, we'll get to the stories. But real quick, around the room, anybody have anything to chime in on on what you worked on this week, or maybe something you picked up on eBay, or anything cool in the world of retro or geek you came across? I was just going to add that you also have uh, Leanne Nelson, who's the author of the menuing system for the Coco Flash, is also here. Say hello, Hi. Leanne. Hi. Hello, Leanne. Ooh, Mark Overholzer is holding up a shiny new Tandy stereo music synthesizer. Orc 90. The nice shiny new Orc 90. And how much music did it actually synthesize? <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't actually synthesize any, I don't think. <laughs> but there's an awful lot of it on uh, Tandy uh, Archive. Ah. Archive. Plays mod cool. files pretty good, too. Very yeah. cool. And you get Sockmaster's mod player. With, with, oh. with, with, with the right software, it can do a lot. But it's, of course, as we know, it's just a two channel analog, to, a digital to analog converter. Right, yeah. right, right. Oh, Brian Joyce in Australia says he just got his, oh, he just bought it. He just bought his mini MPI from Ed Snyder. So, yeah, mini MPIs hey. sound like hotcakes. Jason, the Coco Man, has just joined us. Welcome, Jason. What, what else we got going on around the room? Project updates, anything like that? Anybody? David and I will talk about ours in, in our segment later. So Okay. I got a yeah. screen to share. Okay. Go ahead, Ron. Okay, let's see. Share screens. This one. Can you ah, yes. That's that's on my news list. Yeah. So the yes. the update to Coco Pi, the Raspberry yes. Pi Coco emulation system. I did the graphic for it. I'm proud of it. <laughs> you there know you that, have it. That would have looked really good in 1987, Ron. It's it's a chestburster <laughs> <laughs> for some of you alien fans out there. Oh, a chest burster. Is that what that is? So the, the yeah. Raspberry Pi is bursting out of the cocoa. For the alien friends out there. I, for the alien, yeah, I just got that. Yeah, it's a, it's yeah. a chest burster. I think that, that's the chest the trolls are born in. So. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, which emulator is that, uh, is that uh, you know, we're using as a bundled cocoa emulator pie. for the pay? The cocoa Pi, yeah. Raspberry Pi. Raspberry Pi 3. The cocoa Pi distribution this is, is an optimized MAME package that uh, Ron Klein's been. x -Roar. Yeah. Also has an MC10 thing too. Mm -hmm. Just for uh, Roar and Mame? some of us here. Yeah, both. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's an image. You can download the image, burn it onto a micro SD, boot it up on a Raspberry Pi three, and have a fairly complete Cocoa uh, experience. I did that today. Yeah. Awesome. And, and, and if yep. we can get the darn Mame RS232 emulation, you can have a, a Cocoa Internet BBS. There you go. It, it also runs DriveWire, and you can run DriveWire over your Wi-Fi. So um, it's got a built-in DriveWire server. I talked server. to uh, Ron Klein today. Um, he did a one-on-one -on -one with me to get me oriented. Yep. And uh, I must say, the guy is a brain. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. melted my brain half down. Yeah. And then yeah. we got off. But um, you need to uh, – <clears throat> maybe we can invite him on and have him uh, – you could probably do a whole – Oh yeah, I know. I've been asking for for months, so it's really up to his schedule. But yeah, he's got a standing open invitation. We want to do an expose on the Coco Pie to show everybody the project, and and I don't want to do it without him because I'm just going to screw it up. I know enough to be dangerous. So, I well, you know what he also said is he's going to prepare himself so that when he does do it, it's going to be awesome and not boring. 
Okay. Well, that'll be a first. <laughs> That's been my mistake all this time. <laughs> That's yeah. But the it's The other neat. project that looks interesting along those lines is that uh, cocoa on a chip that's being worked on. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, yeah. Roger yep, Taylor. We, we've actually got a mm-hmm. cassette going on it. You and got a print. cassette going on it? Yeah. Yeah. You actually can use a real cassette player, hook it up to the cocoa on a chip, and C load M or C load a basic program or machine language program. Yes, that's what I wanted to do. Very, very cool. That sounds like the thing they have for the dragon that loads all kinds of images, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would that's something that's kind of you know, we have different mm-hmm. solutions. It'd be nice to have like a universal solution that can just load anything and make it, you know, ease of use. Oh, Rick Adams has got something to show us here. Ooh. Look at this. Ooh, is that OS9? <laughs> it is not. It's, it's my, uh, the game that I'm working on. It's an OS9 emulator. No, I'm just kidding. I don't see yeah. how it's run. It's very OS9-like, yes. Really, that- it has been pointed out to me that I really ought to be doing this game on OS9 because it's so OS9-like already. Can you flip the okay. screen so we can see it? If if it doesn't if it doesn't need you know timing critical access to the hardware that probably should be doable, and those of us that run OS nine would be grateful to have another game that we could run under the OS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, the fonts look good. The multiple windows of scrolling looks good. It looks very much like an old IBM uh, terminal. Yep. Steve, can you flip the screen so we see can this. see it? I'm seeing Ron right now. Now you need to click on me then to see it. You need to click on uh, or co- uh, yeah, click on me and oh. should make me full screen. That's okay, it. I got it. Yeah, uh, that looks really good. Rick, I like the fonts. I like the scrolling windows. Yep. So, so what what is this game? Just more or less, what's the uh, the premise? Okay, the premise is that uh, <clears throat> some. Uh, you know, there, there's some global computer network that's watching everything that you do, and, and uh, you know, you're living under this suppressive, uh, you know, uh, sort of think, think Skynet, right? Mm-hmm. This, this, sounds, this sounds much too realistic already. I don't know. Yeah, it yeah. sounds like a documentary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was, on, on Twitter, I pointed out, I said, you know, well, this, this game was originally going to be called uh, Omnistar, but there's an actual corporation by the name of Omnistar, and I don't want to get sued. So I said, you know, somebody, you know, think of the, the name of my next game, which is, you know, think there's a, a worldwide computer network called Skynet. Well, no, not called Sky, Skynet. I said, think Skynet, but what, what do I name it? And, uh, uh, you know, and it has to be, you know, so, somebody that doesn't, you know, correspond to a real-life uh, corporation that's going to get me sued. And somebody said... Oh, scratching out the, the word Facebook that he just wrote down. Um, <laughs> but anyway, your goal is to take down Skynet. Okay. Oh, Skynet. And you have to go through all these nodes of this computer network that's like, you know, go, go through all these satellites and, you know, basically hack your way in and then, and then shut it down. So that's, I, I barely got it going. Does the Wumpus chase you? Uh, <laughs> yes, it, it is very Wumpus-like. Yeah. Oh, it's sort it of a cross. It's sort of a cross between a, an adventure game and Wumpus. Right There's on. a lot of of Wumpus-like elements to it. Love it. Is it uh, is it turn-based? Uh, no. 
Real time. Ooh. Yeah. So you'll be typing in commands and, you know, you'll be navigating through uh, all these different modes of this computer system and finding programs that you can load and save away and run and find out what they do. Uh, and then it's going to have processes that are looking for you and trying to shut you down. So you've got to figure out how to blow everything up real good so that it doesn't, it isn't able to repair itself. It almost sounds like a you. Core Wars derivative. Uh, I wonder. I, I, I've heard the name Core Wars. I, I, I yeah, it does sound like a yeah. Core Wars. I've played Core Wars. It does sound like a Core Wars de derivative. Hmm. Sounds, like trying to to navigate, sounds like trying to navigate OS 9. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I, I definitely think that would be an interesting game to, to run under OS 9. It doesn't look like the graphics or sound requirements are that super intensive and even for some oh, sound, you can get you know you can do uh, timer uh, timer based audio and and run mm -hmm. uh, audio under OS nine etc. So right. it definitely would run under OS nine. It, it it would it seems to be like made for order made to order for for OS nine. So. so 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 write it in position independent code. Let's see if we I've can get it with in assembler. What is is yep. it written in pick? In assembler. Oh, yes, it is. Oh, yeah, so you definitely could run it on OS 9. Okay. But it would be even better to run it with just, you know, the usual uh, just OS 9 windowing and text strings and uh, escape sequences and stuff like that. It could be run yeah, that yeah, way, too. There you go, because if you're doing windowing, you might be able to leverage the OS to handle some of that for you and, and, and shrink your oh, yeah. program. Right. The only reason I'm doing it this way is because this is what I'm familiar with. So there's no real good reason for me not to do it OS nine. So okay, and and if you've got processes that are running concurrently with what the user is typing, you could leverage mm -hmm. OS nine's uh, process uh, forking to have processes running in the background and and uh, communicating oh, yeah. with your program. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have yet to write, you know, the the background processes for this, you know, and it's like, well, in OS nine, it's all you know, all exists already. So yeah, right cool. in the nine. And for those people that have just so, extended basic, you so just make a, a bundle that boots it. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. So yep. you haven't gotten as far as doing the actual game part of it so far. You've been kind of just working on the user interfaces and the GUI and stuff like that? Yeah. Well, I can go from, uh, you know, I can navigate through all the nodes of the computer system. Oh, okay. So that's all I can do. You got some actual so next, logic in there. So the next step is to... Uh, is to write the actual processes that run in the background that that go from node to node. Think of uh, they're, they're sort of like NPCs mm -hmm. uh, yeah. that'll just randomly navigate from node to node, looking for you and doing various you know tasks in the background. Right now, I've got you know the the green stuff there is just uh, uh, I'm running a random number generator every couple of seconds okay. just to test out the windowing. Right, so to use a Pac-Man analogy, you've built the maze, you just now have to add the ghosts, huh? Right, exactly. Okay. That's exactly right, yeah. Okay. Okay. I can relate anything to a video game. It's my gift. Right. <laughs> just, just can't play it. <laughs> yeah. Hold on. <laughs> Excuse me. So right now There's something in my throat. In, uh, node 778. Hey, hey, and hey, that Stevie, is Stevie can, to Stevie can play them. Nodes 490, 292, and 676. 
I see that. The node tree there, huh? Yeah. Yeah, we got to just try not to talk over each other right now. We're having, seems like a little bit of a bandwidth challenge tonight. Uh, <laughs> looks good, Sorry. Rick. Looks real good. All right. Thanks for sharing. You bet. Very cool. I think cool. we have to uh, up, update Rick's, uh, his, um, oh, his call, what, what is it, his little commercial, his call out, you know, this is Rick Adams, author of, yeah. and he only mentions, a, you know, he doesn't have any of his modern uh, games. Yeah, yeah, it. his little bumper, yeah. Update. Yeah, for his bumper, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, Rick, are you going to make Coco Fest this year? Um, that is debatable. Okay. Uh, my wife has some real yes. uh, super health challenges. Yes. So, um, depending on uh, next week, we're going in for her uh, three-week uh, sort of big meeting to see how well she's recovering. And depending on that, I may decide after that whether I'm going or, or whether I'm not. Because uh, right now, if I were to leave town for you know three days, she would have a real hard time. Right. So, by the time Coco Fest rolls around, she may be recovered to the point where she can you know do things a lot better than she can now so and she is you know improving every day so good so it's, it's looking it's looking better okay. if you would ask me a couple of weeks ago i would have said you know i don't think i'm gonna make it but now well maybe i can okay so we'll see well i hope to get updated bumpers from everybody who's there this year that seems to be my annual thing is getting bumpers at coco fest so um hopefully we'll see you very very cool anybody else got anything they want to show and tell or Talk about a project update. Oh, what do we got here, Mr. Bjork? What's that board? Well, this is for Ooh. my onackers, but it is a motor speed control. I'm just about done with it, so it allows me to get to the next board, which is going to be the six-channel MP3 player that can be hooked up to many devices, including the Coco. Hmm. So that's the important thing. This guy's off my back, and I'm now wor working on the design for that circuit. Very cool. Very, so, very cool. Uh, it'll hook up through the Coco's uh, serial port, whether it be the RS-232 pack or the Bitbanger, and you just simply send it a command, and it plays the MP3 for you. And uh, imagine this. You can have music playing in the background, and then you can have five channels for the different sound effects for the game. Hmm. Sweet. Sweet. So... And we're not Watch talking Doom, about... Live soundtrack. Yeah, we're talking full soundtracks, not something where it's just a waveform. We're talking what you can store on a MIDI or a WAV file. <clears throat> no, basically a multi-channel media player. You got it. Yeah, that's cool. Now, will it have the ability... Let's, let's do can, you, can you... Go ahead, sorry. People who can do hardware um, projects like that, uh, that's magic to me. Uh, I mean, I do know a little bit of what goes into it, but, you know, I mean, game development, you know, I've done that. That's not magic, but, you know, hardware is like, oh, wow, how do you do that? So I'm, I'm always impressed when I see that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, well, I cheat. What I do is I put six MP3 players on a board. <laughs> but you know how to cheat. That's that's the thing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's yeah. true. <laughs> Meanwhile, I know how to solder my hair, so that gives you money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the MP3 files reside on the Coco and they're sent out during on um, the serial port or you pre-upload them to the MP3 players? Each MP3 player has its own micro SD card. That's not yeah. going to be cheap. 
Mm-hmm. So you have, uh, and you uh, can you send the uh, the MP3 files from the Coco to the no, SD card? No, no, you install them on there because there's just no way to deal with the data transfer. Right. I'm thinking here about uh, patching existing games so you can have background music. Imagine, mm-hmm. for example, Stellar yeah. Lifeline with uh, with uh, with music that gets slightly more uh, terror-inducing as the game gets more difficult, mm-hmm. as that game certainly does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. By the way, I'm going to pop up my uh, card again. I'm pointing to a little guy here. That's the uh, um, actual player that I'm going to use. There will be six of them wow. on, that, on that unit. You and pop a little chip into that, right? Yeah, yeah there is a little SD card yeah. off yeah. to the side, and you just pop them in. And what I'm going to do is set up that anybody that wants to use it for their product, I'm going to allocate one of the 255 uh, folders, and they get access to all the songs, music, whatever they can stick in that folder, and that gets set aside. So if we did Seller Lifeline, that would be folder number 13 and Zaxxon be number 14, and et cetera. That way you would install the uh, files on that folder, and uh, you would have it for multiple games or projects or whatever. Uh, I got a question about that. Um, maybe you've thought about this already, Steve, but but how about a, a, gener- a folder with some generic sounds that anybody could access? Well, I've got one folder that will be set up with speaking um uh, codes and like that so it will be able to basically uh, say the time the date and stuff like that that's an example of one one folder mm. okay. yeah because i can see it for sound effects if you wanted you know generic mm-hmm. explosions and laser yeah. fire you can yeah. make a folder like that everybody a, can uh, use in their games mm-hmm. just put some type of royalty free audio library in a folder that's um you know so if you have a folder with multiple files in it how do you tell the device which file to play does your program have to be aware of the file names as they are referred to on the device they're just numbers so you would play it play number 47 that would play a particular sound okay so the file name corresponds to the number you send a number to the device and it plays the file name that matches exactly uh the idea is that you can send a one byte command one you uh, are basically using in game mode mm-hmm. and that one byte is the sound number real simple yeah and very low overhead so, mm-hmm. so if you're if you're if you're sending these commands over the serial how come we can't send a command that says expect an upload you know and then have because it- there's no way to send the data to the micro sd card with the units that i'm using oh damn uh well what do you expect for MP3 players that cost about a buck fifty each. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Plus, imagine we're, we're how keeping long it this would take to upload over the serial port. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Why do you, Why do you want to invent a wheel that's that already exists if you can do it on a modern machine? I mean, that's so well, 1987 doing it that way. Well, yeah, but it allows you to have, for instance, a, a game or something, you know, and you have the files bundled with it, and it wouldn't take that long to upload a small MP3 file at say 115,200 baud. Well, see, here's what it is, is you include the files with the game, and you put them on the SD card, and they're there. You don't have to keep uploading. Yeah. Yeah, we need, to come like a new, we need a new segment for Barry that we're going to call. De- with that device. Yeah. So. I'm sorry? What'd you say, Barry? I said then you have to, to buy that device along with the game, and, you know, this way, you know, 
you know, two or three years after you release that, you know, if you could upload the files and somebody could just send a new file to it. But, you know, you know, there, there, there's different, different things, you know, I could come up with something where you send the data, but it'd be five times more expensive. I think it's better to go less expensive. Yeah. Yeah. You know, less, less expensive is good. And I hear you. Uh, so and, we're going to. And, and one last comment. Gotta, gotta so. You got to remember when you hear about some product that's coming out, you don't want to give it feature rot by saying it'd be nice to do this, that, and the other thing. Once you've kind of figured out most of the stuff, go with it. Don't keep changing it. Yeah. David. You're never going to get that PS2 uh, guy out if you keep adding features. Yeah, if 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 it uh, if it's easy to do and it costs five cents, you might be able to get away with it. But from what you're saying, it's that's not the case. I hear you. Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna come up with a new segment for Barry that's called Devil's Advocate. So anytime we want to come up with a new <laughs> idea, we'll have we'll have Barry give us some <laughs> some con con contrasting points of view. You should do some great <laughs> graphics for that that segment <laughs> intro too. Boy, that'd be fun. <laughs> Uh, I, I was I was devil's advocate when the Coco Flash was designed, and that came out okay. <laughs> didn't creep. You didn't creep too many features in there. Just a uh, Orchestra ninety. <laughs> uh, yep. All right, that's cool. Thanks for sharing, Steve. Anybody else got anything they want to share with us before we move on to other frivol frivolities, whatever the word is? Frivolities. Um, frivolities. Oh. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, we went about a quick thing I can add. Okay. Um, is, well, go ahead, Bill. Most of you already know that I've got the rib source code. Well, I've uh, just about got that working on the Cocoa on a chip right now with the ESP8266. I got a few minor little tweaks I got to do and some init strings and a couple other things, but mm -hmm. I should have a BBS up and going here within the next week or so. That is cool. That is cool. Alan had some people tell net into his cocoa a week or so ago. Um, uh, Barry's talking about getting this to work in MAME. I, I think the idea of having a cocoa hosted BBS is great, but I think if you can also offload it to something that just kind of runs in the background that doesn't tie up more vital hardware, that's even better. You know, so it's like if you if you don't have a lot of cocos, why tie up a whole cocoa just for a BBS if you can, you know, virtualize it or put on a Raspberry Pi or something like that. Um, that you just run it as a background task in Nitrous 9. Yeah, ribs is OS 9, so... My physical hardware for that long period of time, you know, with the, the heat and the, the strain on the on the actual hardware to run it on a real machine. Right. It's neat to be able to do that as sort of a, you know, temporary thing to just to demonstrate that, yeah, it still works, it can do it, but to run a real BBS on that at this point is just too much of a risk for, uh, you know, a piece of equipment that is hard to replace. Right. Well, this is going to be running well, on the the, the uh, cocoa on a chip, though, too, right, Bill? Yeah. This this is FPGA. FPGA. All the way. It's the yep. F the F my, PGA. Well, put it this way: my Nano has been running uh, close to two years now, uh, outside of just doing the updates, twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, mm, and impressive. It's, Temperature and, and is actually still at 22 degrees. Easy to replace. I mean, those are readily available too. 
Oh, now, Bill, you gotta nice. you gotta admit that you're running in a room with the with the window open to cool it, though, right? <laughs> no, nope. he's in Canada where it's he's in Canada where it's a super conducted uh, country. So he's open. Yeah, he's you got no problem. He just has like to make Congress. sure his igloo doesn't drip on it. That's all. We're in Canada, so it's colder here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We oh, just got super cooling. Yeah, well, we gotta we gotta acknowledge a couple of troll comments out here. So now, yeah, tro- troll troll junior Richard Lorbieski says Bruce yeah. Moore is either in the Merchant Marines or about to knock over a gas station. <laughs> 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 and then the Uber troll, the professional troll that all others often imitate but never successfully do it. Uh, Jim Brain says, "Well, aren't we all just a cherry people today?" So yes, we are all feeling quite cherry. Um, okay, we're gonna take a quick. Hey, Tom C just got here. Hey, Tom, I'm gonna take a commercial break. I'm gonna I'm gonna run like maybe two or three commercials. Give you guys about a minute, a minute and a half for anybody who wants to take a potty break, restroom break, whatever. So, Coco Talk will return. But since we are, um, this is not necessarily Coco Talk after dark. This is a regular, quote unquote, serious and professional episode of Coco Talk. But since we are um, in the nighttime hours, we're gonna play us out with the commercial with a little bit of the Coco Talk after dark theme song as produced by our very own Alan Huffman. And we'll be back in just about a minute, folks. Coco Talk After Dark Coco Talk After Dark Welcome to Around the Garage. This is it. This is the place. This is where you should be. This is where you should tune in because Stevie Stroh has a great show. It's called Coco Talk. going on everybody it's me it's original gamer stevie stro you know gameplay to get your copy of a gameplay goodness gameplay color computer goodness. gaming dvd today gameplay head on over to 8bit256.com there you will find several dvds featuring color computer gameplay videos by the original gamer stevie stro so to get your very own copy of a gameplay goodness color computer gaming dvd head on over to the retro swag shop at 8bit256.com and tell them the original gamer stevie stro sent you All right. Well, we are back from commercial break, and I just have a question because we have something to um, to reveal that Bruce has given us. And Bruce, should we do that now, or you want to do that later? Our, our little latest teaser video that you've given us to show. Oh, well, it's essentially the same as last time, but whatever you want to play, <laughs> it's fine by me. 
All right. Well, let's before we get into we got we got to introduce some of our new um, new members to the show today. So we have a little uh, teaser clip on uh, Bruce Moore's next project. Uh, hold on. Here's here's Super Ron. Let's. Tandy man, I love it. Tandy man. <laughs> yes. Dun dun dun. Now, <laughs> Superman has one weakness, which is kryptonite. What would Tandy man's weakness be, Ron? Shaving. MC10. MC10. Who said shaving? <laughs> Tony. Oh, Sorry, my God. <laughs> like Samson. Uh, <laughs> what, if I, what if I show him an IBM uh, PC? Oh, my God. All right. So we're going to run a, a nice little teaser. Uh, clip here on, on Bruce's latest project. So sit back and enjoy this, folks. What if, knowing what I know now, I could go back in time, join Tandy Corporation, and change the course of history? Coco forever. And there you have it, Coco Forever. The next project to be released by D. Bruce Moore. Nice job there, Bruce. All right. I see, I, I'm, I've recruited, uh, you see that it says episode one, so this is a serial project, and I've been steadily recruiting some, uh, some, uh, some great talent for this uh, project, so... Can't wait to see how it all turns out. So you had to go outside the community, I take it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Hey, Tony Capolini, we're going to put you on the spot. This is your first time on the program. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Tell us what you did back in the day when retro was new, uh, some of the systems you worked on, where you got started, where you went to. And then fast forward to today, telling us what you're doing as far as a retro hobby. And we can't hear you. You're muted. I got some bullet items here I typed up so I wouldn't forget. Hang on All a second. All right. We, uh, we can hear you now. Uh, bullets are not favorable at this time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it's going to take too long to find them. But anyway. Um, by the okay, way, so you, got, look, you look very comfortable, I would say. From uh, I, I was in the Navy after, uh, after high school, and uh, I bought my cocoa from a guy that was stationed on the base I was on. He was um, upgrading or changing computers. He went to buy an Atari and wanted to sell his cocoa. So I got that, uh, bought that from him. I think it was a 16K Cocoa 1. This was back in 8081, something like that. And uh, I didn't really know that much about programming. I kind of just got it to play games. Got a couple of joysticks and cartridges with it. Um, didn't know about the Rainbow or any of the magazines till I got out of the Navy and moved back uh, back east and, and with my folks and started getting connected with uh, local people. Uh, uh, I joined a, a Cocoa group 
back in Pennsylvania, um, and we basically, you know, got together. Where everybody was trying to, you know, understand what they could do with the computer, um, did a little bit of programming, things like that. Um, I didn't really take programming seriously until much later in my career, um, which was, let's see, it was about four or five years later. Uh, I uh, started out as electronics technician, and little by little, ended up. Um, having to do some programming for work. So having the Cocoa was a good jump start for me, um, as well as uh, the kits from Radio Shack. I had a number of those uh, all-in-one kits where you could build uh, several circuits, the 10-in-1, the 15-in-1, 115 in one those spring-loaded uh, connectors. Um, let's see. So I moved to California in 1983. I joined a Cocoa group there uh, got connected with an even bigger community. Um, actually, on the way out to California, uh, I stopped. I went. To, I, I timed that move so I could go to the first Rainbow Fest. Uh, the very 1980, first one. Yeah, the very first one. I think it was eighty-three or eighty-four, uh, somewhere in Chicago, I believe. Schomburg, probably. Yeah, so it was before. It was before. Yeah, before Cocoa Fest, it was Rainbow Fest. And honestly, it was so long ago, I, I can't remember much about it. I have no memorabilia, no pictures, nothing. I just remember seeing all the vendors, you know, from uh, the ads in the Cocoa, you know. And this was like, uh, you know, this is like meeting celebrities for me. Uh, I think I remember seeing Prickly Pear Software. They were from California. Um, and... That's about it. I mean, it, like I said, it was a long time ago. So sadly, I, I, I have nothing to really show or to share about that other than I was there. And uh, so, so I was moving to California looking for a job. I started working in Southern California uh, a few months later, and I've been here ever since. I am now in uh, Silicon Valley. Um, I've been in the storage industry since 87. I've uh, been working at various hard drive companies uh, since I moved here. And uh, it's kind of hard. Once you're in the storage mafia, you can't get out. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking so, it was storage buildings. Yeah. Like storage wars. <laughs> yeah. So one company I worked at, actually the first storage uh, hard drive company I worked at, they, you know, they sold their products and employees at a substantial discount. So I had two 85 megabyte MFM uh, hard drives connected to my Cocoa through the Burke and Burke controller with, a, on, you know, on a multi-pack. I had a Disto uh, super controller or three in one or four in one. I forgot what it was. Um, and that thing was, you know, I could boot OS nine in, in those days and, it was great. I had one drive to boot from, another for a backup. Very cool. Sadly, uh, I sold all that stuff in the early 90s when I moved to uh, uh, an IBM PC. Uh, there was a company company in Rainbow, um, Cocoa Pro, out of Ypsilanti, Michigan. And they bought the whole, the whole pile of stuff I had for about 600 bucks. That's David Nancy Myers. Uh, yep. I believe so. Oh, you got a good memory, Curtis. <laughs> so, uh, and about three or four years ago, I ended up buying a Coco Three from Mark Marlette um, with the five twelve board. 
and uh, I have had very little time to do anything cocoa related. I'm one of the more inactive members of the cocoa community, but I, I follow all of the activity you guys are doing uh, pretty pretty regularly. I just don't have uh, any time at the moment to to do the fun stuff you guys are doing. Cool, cool. Well, we're glad you can make it tonight. And so, so you say you're not very active, but what do you have now? Do you have any real hardware? Do you have Cocoa ones or threes or anything? You said you got one from Mark Marlette. How long ago was that? That was about three, two to three years ago. Um, I bought it knowing it was going to be on the shelf for a while, but I figured mm-hmm. sooner or later uh, I'd get around to it. So I have, just, I, that's all I have. I have that. Um, I have one of the original. I forget the terminology now, BJ adapters. Uh, Tim Linder was kind enough to bring it from two Cocoa Fests ago. Um, he bought it for me and uh, brought it back to California. Then I met Tim and got that from him, the BJ adapter. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't have a suitable monitor at the moment. Uh, I only have the L- one of the LCDs that doesn't quite work very good with it. So um, that's something I'm going to have to pick up once I get uh, when I get more active. You, okay. you, have a, you have a monitor that has an HDMI input in your... Mm, I don't believe so. Um, I only have... I have a laptop at home. That's my main computer. And I have an old Dell LCD that was out way before HDMI was even uh, a thing. And your and your TV doesn't have HDMI, huh? It no. does. It's, it does have HDMI, and I did connect it to it. Um, I don't remember... Do you have Goodwills over there? They, they sell, <laughs> yeah, they sell yeah, there's Goodwill. I'll just cheap go buy TVs. A, yeah, when I <laughs> when I when I'm ready, I'll just go buy a decent monitor. Um, yeah, it's just right now there's there's very little time for that stuff, unfortunately. Yeah. Okay. No, I was going to I was going to mention give a plug for my uh, my uh, RGB Coco Three RGB to uh, SCART to HDMI solution, which is relatively cheap. So if your TV has an HDMI input, you can use that to cook, hook the Coco's RGB to your HDMI on your TV and get a very good picture out of it. And it's relatively inexpensive to do. Okay, cool. Yeah, I will enough. say this. The, the Coco was responsible for me meeting one of my best life uh, friends in life. I was driving home from work one day, and I saw a car with a license plate that said, it was basically abbreviated, either Coco computer, color computer, but I looked at that and I just like, I almost started shaking like I was meeting, you know, uh, a celebrity. And I just looked over to see who it was and started just honking on the horn and roll the window down. And this was actually before I had, uh, this was in Northern California, before I got and, uh, met anybody in the cocoa community. So long story short, uh, the, this lady who was driving her husband out of cocoa asked a very large collection uh, we've been friends ever since the early 90s, and he was very much into the cocoa, built the room all for his computers, uh, the magazines, everything was like just surrounded by stuff. And he now lives in Colorado. His uh, health his health is uh, not as good as it could be, and he is basically uh, going to sell that pretty substantial collection, and I've been trying to get him to get an inventory list uh, put together so I can get it out there to the community and say, hey, anybody within in the area, you know, here's a decent collection. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I've been after him to do this for over a year. So anyway, uh, I'm still good friends with him, and it's because of the cocoa. What's his name? If you don't, if you don't mind me asking, I I, I don't want to give his name out. Uh, okay. I, um, I'll uh, maybe uh, 
maybe we can you know talk in private or something. But uh, I, I, let's put it this way: he doesn't know anybody in the Coca community. He doesn't follow uh, the mailing list, anything yeah. on Facebook. He's um, pretty much isolated. I, I'm kind of basically his his interface to what's been happening. I've been wow. telling about all the advancements you guys have been doing with nitrous and with the SD cards and uh, all this stuff. But hey, how did just, you find us? Well, oh, I, that's a whole conversation for another time because it would take a while. Um, <laughs> I, and I, I mm -hmm. want to give some other people some time to talk, but that's one of my bullet items. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's actually a funny story, but uh, I won't go into it now. Okay. Well, you're, you know, you have an open invitation. And just, just so you know, right now, history has been made. Jim Gary has joined us live hey. on Skype for the first All time right. ever. All right. What you did, man. He probably hey, has Jim. an MC10 tattoo, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> this is the kryptonite to Steve Bjork right here. It's Jim Gary. <laughs> we are we're very happy to have you join us, Jim. We'll get to you. Uh, we'll get your introduction. Uh, actually, let's go ahead and get your introduction right now, Jim. We're gonna get you're gonna put you on the spot. Um, I believe. What's going on here right now? Somebody going through a moving? Anybody moving their house right now? Got a truck going through there? Cargo? I'm not sure what that was. Um, Jim, welcome to the program. Um, I don't know. If you can hear me. Yeah, we can hear you. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a very old computer I'm using for this. Is it an MC10 by any chance? <laughs> Pretty near. No. <laughs> <laughs> So I happen to have an MC10 in my house. Do you want to see it? Yes, yes, yes. yes. So, so Give for me. for those who don't know who you are, Jim Gary, why don't you tell us a little bit about, um, you know, uh, your 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 the origin story of Jim Gary? When did Jim Gary first started working on computers? And then tell us kind of what you're doing now. Uh, again, I think everybody here in the panel knows who you are, but just in case anybody who doesn't, uh, let's hear it in your own words from the living legend himself. <laughs> uh, well, I got an, an MC-10 in probably 1984, maybe late 83, uh, because uh, it was all I could afford. <laughs> it was on sale for $79, so um, that's all my uh, lawn mowing money could get me. I should have waited for a cocoa, I suppose, but I didn't. And uh, that's where my computing uh, starts, so that's why I'm uh, retro-computing with this uh, little machine now. Yeah, You're quite prolific at it too. Yeah, extremely prolific. <laughs> well, more, that started from back in '83 when you know all you could get for the MC10 was to uh, type in programs from magazines and convert them from other computers. Mm -hmm. it, it, there was no software available for it. It's always been an orphan, so it feels gratifying to make uh, software for a machine that never really had any. Yeah, where where whereabouts are you in the <clears throat> in the world? Uh, I live on Cape Breton Island. Out in the Atlantic Ocean, eastern seaboard of the uh, of Canada. Okay. Oh, another fellow Canadian. Yeah. Well, as long as you consider Cape Breton a part of Canada, I suppose we we, we do have a Liberation Army that uh, fights for the uh, separation of the island. <laughs> it's a rather obscure little group, the Cape Breton Liberation Army. And Steve. was that been who who just said Steve? Oh, just uh, Nick here. Yeah. Uh, I was just thinking uh, while you're talking to um, Jim there, you should actually bring up his uh, website because uh, just 
it shows the amount of work he's done in uh, the number of programs he's created on the MC10. So if we've got that going while you're talking yeah. to him. Yeah, and so I'll, I'll, I'll take this uh, Nick, moment here. Um, Nick, I should mention my daughter just landed in Sydney probably about an hour ago. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, the other, other Sydney. I live in Sydney, Cape Breton. Oh, okay. <laughs> So I'm trying to think of where. So I have a link to your site under uh, I'm a Coca. So is it Jim and Charlie Gary's basic programs and other software for the Terrace City MC10? Is that the site? Yeah. Okay. And is this it here? Wow. My yep. son, uh, my son Charlie used to help me mostly with the music because he's musical. Mm-hmm. And uh, couldn't program a sound command for Lovner Bunny, but uh, with with his help, I was able to get some sounds that made. And I've been the rest of the show favorite? just scrolling through this. <laughs> what, what's that? Which one of these are your favorite? Kryptonite. <laughs> uh, the one I'm most proud of is uh, the Temple Vapshi conversion I made. Because uh, I made that for the Coco too, right? Uh, after I got it working on the MC10. But that's a piece of software that's got quite a history to it. Uh, I don't think there's a version for the, uh, the Coco, so that's... Uh, look it's at this. He, he, a clue game here. Oh, and a Santa Pravia port. That that was a Santa Pravia. Yeah, that's from the uh, that's from the TR City Model One version of it. Is that Castle Guard? Traveler. Yeah. Where is uh, Santa Pravia? Where do you where do you see the set? What am I missing here? It's on the left side. Left it's on side. The left hand side with the uh, yellow oh, castles. Okay. And the that was a classic, um, a classic okay. early God game. Okay. I see. Yeah, I, okay. Love, I love mi- to play Santa Paravia in the TRS-80 Model 1. Hmm. That was from back in the, uh, I think it was from one of the uh, 80 Micro magazine or something like that. Invaders. Uh, you've got a Q-Bert. You've got a Berserk. Man. Is the Forest of Doom coming? Load Runner. Yeah, but Loadrunner uses the original maps from one original version. This heals. Is this scramble? Certainly done some very nice ports of a number of games for the MC10. I have I have several of them. My daughters have played uh, a few of them on the on the machine, and I don't know about anybody else, but I certainly appreciate your efforts on all of this. It's you you definitely in, you know enriched the uh, the software environment for the MC10 quite a bit. <laughs> That's not hard to do. <laughs> <laughs> is that Ghostbusters? Yeah. yeah. That's that's a program from the uh from the Dick Smith Z VZ uh, two hundred. Huh. Dick wow. Smith was a uh electronics maker in Australia. Huh. They made a little quirky uh computer too. Yeah, but it's so much one, I believe. It had the same video chip, six eight four yeah, seven. It's got a, a six eight four seven so. The System 80 it was a Model 1 clone, I believe. There's just so much here. It uses the basic from the Model 1, but it's got a cocoa screen, so it's easy to that's port. Cu- that's cute uh, there. A cat with a rainbow fart behind <laughs> it. So. That's Nyan Cat. Nyan <laughs> Cat, yeah. I got blisters on my fingers. <laughs> I, wish, I just wish they hadn't foobarred the, the memory map on the MC-10 as much as they did. Minotaur yeah, looks good. good. Uh, oh, high-res, that's fine. machine, but, you know... Mandelbrot. Is that a, a lunar yeah. chart there? 
Yeah, there's well, a moon that uh, just plots the moon for your day and month and year or whatever. That's good. I'd like to have that one. Yeah, look at that. Mr. Astronomy here. There and you're halfway so right through the list. You're only halfway. <laughs> Man, this is if you look at the, if, if you look at the list, there's, there's asterisks and plus signs. The asterisks, I think, are... Uh, games that have an asterisk next to them are actually original games. Okay. Is there a Qbert there? And if they have a plus sign, then they're a port of somebody else's code from someone. Hex, this hexagon thing right here? Yeah, what is that? Yeah, that's, that's from a ZX81 game. Oh. He did have a Qbert higher up on the list. Yeah. Cubert, oh. yeah. You must yeah. be a very fast programmer, Jim. I am now. <laughs> and, and are you still typing? Do you type on that crappy keyboard, or you do it like on a modern machine and then port it up? I haven't done that for a dozen years or so. <laughs> that would slow down the development process, I'd imagine. Did anyone see the picture of my wife on a um, Coco One keyboard that I made? So yeah, that's lovely. That's like, sure. that's like putting a BMW engine in a Volkswagen. What's the exactly. point? I did it. I know it could be done. But... Oh, like, I like the Karateka-looking game. Yeah, karate. that looks good. Uh, Donkey Kong, that looks good there too. Yeah, that's another ten liner. I've got a couple okay. of ten. I've got about four or five ten liners in this year's contest. Yeah, I think somebody. I don't know if that was on the latest Coco Crew, but somebody was mentioning I heard recently. Like, yeah, there's a ten line contest, but if Jim Gary's going to enter it, why even bother? You know, so yeah, you're done. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't won in the past few years. Uh, the Atari pretty much sweeps up everything. Oh, this dragon looks good. Yeah, that's just some kind of adventure game, but you get a. Uh, a graphic at the end of it. Wow. Man, you've got so much. So the bowling much game on the right there is pretty cool. I like that. Which one? It's uh, got like right. 12 different uh, mini putt bowling uh, things for you there. And that's actually in semi-graphics 6 mode, so it's kind of a little higher. I rate. saw a chance to uh, die of dysentery earlier. Yep, Oregon Trail. Oh, I, got, I, got, I got Jim Gary, I got somebody here that wants to say something to you. Oh, no. That's that's what my younger daughter was just saying. Thank you for for the some of the games that you've written for the MC10. Well, what does she play? Uh, she plays. Uh, there's too many to list. I mean, you've got <laughs> keep her away from Hypnotoad. There, it'll uh, do some damage to her. <laughs> I mean, this is just the, this is just last week's published. list we're on right now. So we've got to still get into next week's programs. Oh my God, yeah. there's <laughs> so many. Wow. Ah, oh, look at this. You've got Timberman. Yeah, I got MC Timberman, yeah. That's, that's amazing. Arr. There's more <laughs> games here than Tandy ever published. Yeah. No kidding. They only put out a dozen, yeah. That yeah. was the only, that was software until what, until the year 2000. I Can we buy a CD from you for like under $70? <laughs> if you click on anything on there, it'll, you, it just takes you to a wave. It uh, takes you to the... Um, a directory with all those is wave files. So, yeah. Well, this is this is what I was wondering because I brought I brought an MC Tem to a retro club meeting today, but I w I've never used the MC Tem. I just got it because it was interesting and it was in the box. Is there anything like the? Oh, here we go. There's a Juan Carlos showing off his uh, MC Tem. There you go. Looks good there, and, Juan. And there's more. Yeah. <laughs> there's oh, a what French is MC Tem. Oh, oh, there's a beautiful Elise. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. Yeah. And another one. They look the same, but they're not the same. It's in got French writing. It said Lay Micro. Yeah, uh, Matra. Oh. The, uh, <laughs> <Say both off. laughs> 
to uh, Matra uh, started uh, cloning uh, officially the MC10 with the uh, with the annuance of of Tandy, and then they started getting creative. There's a further model that looks exactly like an MC10, but has a different video controller and uh, an enhanced basic. It's it's no longer an MC10. It only has the the processor in common and and the mm. basic. Okay, but I think Steve a, Bjork might like. <laughs> no, Steve. I think he would. Yeah, I think he. I, I'm just sitting here being nice. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, what? What? How do you develop, Jim? Do you do you do like an emulator or something on a modern computer to speed up the process? Yeah, I, I write it all in WordPad, and which gives you a total global view of the the code, and then you just the um, VMC10 uh, emulator just allows you to just dump the text right into the computer, like if, as if you're typing. It takes a second or two, and then it, you can right. run. Just copy and, and then paste you it. Make, you make changes uh, in the uh, WordPad and then you just dump it in. It's really fast. Okay. Wow. Okay. Which emulator? It's called VMC10. It was made by a guy named uh, James the Animal Tamer. I don't know what his real name is. <laughs> How so is it connected to the MC10 to the serial port? What's that? It's an emulator. How do you connect it? The, 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 MC, the real MC10 wishes it had a serial port, unfortunately. Oh. The, the way I load all my the way I load all the software onto my real MC10 is uh, I convert the wave files to MP3 so they're a little bit smaller, and then I load them on a little portable MP3 player, and mm -hmm. I hook that up to the MP uh, the MC10's uh, cassette port and I play the MP3s to it and it thinks it's talking to a cassette deck and is perfectly happy. Sure. So how do you create how do you create the cassette images? Does the emulator do that for you, or do you have to like? plug in something and record the bits when you save it out to the cassette port? Well, the VMC10 uh, emulator comes with utilities, one of which is a conversion to WAV file. So you can create ah. an emulator file called gotcha. a .c10, and then you just uh, run the uh, the uh, the converting program, and it'll just uh, turn it into a WAV. Okay. And that was pretty much the only way to get software in or out, is to load over the cassette port. So C load M Except or C this. What do you got there, Juan? Yeah, yeah, we got we got an MCX thing which allows you to do um, uh, attach a, a Bitbanger uh, serial cable to it, and then just uh, have a file server on your uh, your PC. Yeah, okay. basically, it gives you drive wire for the MC10. Okay, which is called the MC server, E M C E, like for, um, and that's, that's the it. that's the Darren Atkins one. I bought that. I bought an MCX128. I haven't even opened it up yet because I figured I, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do with it. But I, I got it at Cocoa Fest. <laughs> um, I was wondering what to do with it because I was thinking today. I brought an MC10 to a retro club. What could I show? How could I show something? Because to my knowledge, there's nothing like the Cocoa SDC where I could have portable software to bring with it and load an image straight from. From a thing, or is there? Is there a way to, to like have preloaded software on that uh, MCX one twenty eight board? What is that? What it has is 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 a, a ROM an, an enhanced ROM basic has a drive wire equivalent, which is MC, and you have to bring with yourself a PC with a serial port. Mm. Then you have uh, access to a to a library of software. Stevie, the simplest thing to do is just plug the uh, black. Uh the black uh, cable into your sound port. Yeah. On your on a on a laptop. Yeah, or even your smartphone. And plug, and plug a, the cassette cable into the MC10, obviously, and then hit type "clode," and uh -huh. then just uh, 
just click on the wave files. Like yeah. bring up my web page and click on those. Uh, those oh, you can actually you can play. actually play the web the wave file from the website and load it from there. I have done that. Yeah, if you've got oh, a wow. good PC with a good sound card and everything set properly, uh, it should just play the wave file and ah. load onto an MC10. Okay. Uh, so, That's, so yeah, it, it, it actually, the, the MC10 actually has one of the more reliable cassette audio interfaces I've found. It, it actually works pretty good, and considering the thing only has 16K of memory, the largest programs don't take too long to load. Yeah. It's got 20K, actually, when you've got the, pack, the, uh, the um, extension pack on it, because it has 4 and it adds, it adds to 16 to the 4. Hmm. Oh, so okay. Actually, most of my programs are built to go into 20K. Okay. Uh, so Ken is asking us in the live chat. He goes, "Is taking an MC10 to a computer club like taking a knife to a gunfight?" <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a, a, an 18th century musket, not not quite a knife. Yeah, right. <laughs> so you do. Well, that's so you, a knife. Yeah. <laughs> if you take all of Jim Gary's programs, it's more like taking a whole big pack of shurikens from a you know ninja. Yeah, right. <laughs> and take them all out. Well, you yeah, definitely, you definitely have. You are extremely prolific, and you, uh, I, you can't listen to any episode of the Coco Crew podcast without hearing at least a half a dozen Jim Gary entries. Um, um, you know, you just, you're just cranking out software, and it's, yeah. it's impressive. Um, he makes the rest of us developers look lazy. <laughs> Steve, how did it go today? It went good. I'll, I'll talk about that. Um, but very cool, very cool. Well, we're glad you could join us, Jim. Yeah, and everybody's always welcome. We always get the invitations out there, and we're glad when people can join us, especially um, those who we haven't gotten a chance to actually speak to very often. So um, thanks for being here, Jim. Uh, we are going to hear from... And again, I have two people here that want to say something. Go ahead. Yeah. Say it again. We didn't hear it. Children, they never perform on command. Yeah, I think they both. I think I heard a couple of thank yous going off there. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to hear from Juan Carlos, but we're going to take another quick commercial break, or maybe not a quick one. Maybe we'll run about another minute's worth of commercials. Anybody needs to take a biological break here. Um, so, uh, and and feel free to hang out, uh, Jim Gary, as long as long as you like. Um, we sure. we're only we're not even an hour into this four hour train wreck, so we got plenty of time to go over things here right now. So, all right. Quick break go and we'll, a drink. Yeah, go get a drink. We'll be back. Coco Talk After Dark. Coco Talk After Dark. Greetings, YouTubers. Atari Leaf here, and you're listening to Coco Talk. Good day, mates. This is Nick Marionettes author of such color computer titles as Donut Disaster, Rupert Rhymes, and Rockstar Pilot. And I am here today to tell you about the world's most fabulous operating system, OS9. OS9 and its current incarnation, Nitrous 9, is the most advanced operating system ever created. And what makes it so good? Ease of use. I find OS 9 so incredibly intuitive that I haven't once cracked open the user manual, and yet I've been able to create such incredible games faster than the time it takes to sing Walsing Matilda. Using OS 9, I expect my next game, 
Fun Star will be done this weekend and distributed exclusively on ROM cartridge. OS 9 forever. Any resemblance to actual events to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. What's going on guys, Stevie Stroh here, and I want to say thank you so much for being part of this adventure with us. It's been such a great experience in doing Coco Talk every week, and the support we get is just amazing. And so the fact that you watch and listen is all the reward that we need. However, if you would like to become a patron of the show and offer some financial assistance towards the production and hosting costs of the show, we do have a Patreon site available for that, and you can reach that by going to our website at CocoTalk.com. Live and clicking on the Patreon link. But just do us a favor and watch and listen to the show. At GSoft, we make games for the TRS-80 Color Computer, TRS-80 MC-10, and Dragon Computers. Our basic games cover the range of genres from arcade, to text adventures, to simulations, to 3D dungeon crawls. This is our latest puzzle game from Japan. Fruit Panic. So come on, drop by our website and download our latest games. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's me, it's Original Gamer Stevie Stroh. You know, gameplay goodness. Gameplay goodness. You know, gameplay goodness. All right, people. Gameplay goodness. Thank you so much. You know, gameplay goodness. Yeah. You know, gameplay goodness. Are you ready for this? You know, gameplay goodness. Yeah. Okay, I don't think that went through the live broadcast. We're going to try it again. This song here goes out to Richard Lorbieski, who I understand is a... Oh, I can't hear you guys because you're muted either. All right, let's try this for a third time. <laughs> you guys were on mute. Yeah, this one goes out to Richard Lorbieski, who's a big fan of my rap song. <laughs> I take offense to that. All right, so we are back from a musical interlude. And uh, yeah, so we are, and I'm just, I'm not saying this other than just to make everybody aware of Number one, how long we've been on the air. We've been on the air just a little over an hour. I'm not complaining, but I just want to frame things because for you, it's going to be going on midnight, Juan Carlos. We're going to get to you right now. Um, and we've got a lot to cover today. I've only been here 12 minutes. I started uh, 11 p.m. and now, and now it's 11.12. <laughs> so we've got a lot to cover. We've got some segments. We're going to get an update on ease of use. I believe David Ladd's got a project update. So, And we haven't gotten the news. So this is probably going to be a three-hour episode, That's much like uh, much like Gilligan's Island. It's going to be a three-hour tour. Uh, is everybody okay? I'm, I was just going to say, I'm afraid I have to drop off, Stevie. It's, it's okay. been a pleasure, but uh, I, I can't stay on much later. i got other stuff I need to do. So. All right. Well, thanks for being here, Barry. Yeah, thanks for stopping uh, by. I wish I could stay longer, but I've got stuff i got to do early and, tomorrow morning. So. And say hi to the rest of the uh, Nelson girls for us, too. Yeah. You're, you're on speaker, and they heard okay. the girls. Say hello. Okay. There's, a, there's a meek hi from one of them. All okay. right. Well, i got to go. Thank you very much. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for being here. 
So is everybody okay with that? Everybody okay for a full length action packed show tonight? Sure. Yeah. Everybody, yeah. everybody on the everybody on the panel. Okay. We're getting early out here. Yeah. It's only six fifteen. I can ask Jim a question actually. Go ahead. Yep. Yeah, stretch it out to three three and a half hours. Um, <laughs> uh, Jim, I've just downloaded the MC10 emulator off the Coco Archive. Seems to work fine. Nice emulator. On the archive are two files. There's a update file as well with a uh, another with a, with the VMC10 XE file in it. Uh, just wondering what the if you knew what the update was for. Uh, it was to make it be better compatible with um, Windows 10. Oh, okay. I, I'm actually running the old version right now in the uh, in, on Windows 10, and it seems to work, but. Yeah, yeah, there's so a few I'm quirks that uh, get fixed, and I, okay. I think it's version D or F yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. All right, so you recommend put that on for Windows. Yeah, 10. if you, if you okay. go into full screen, weird things can happen otherwise. Okay, yep, I'll do that. Uh, yeah, just to let people know, if you just want to run an MC10, the emulator looks pretty good. It's called Virtual MC10. It's quite good with the pull-down menus, easy to use. If only MAME was like that. <laughs> well, the only problem is, it is emulating MC10. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to ask if this was a Steve Bjork in endorsed version here. Yeah, just, I can only sit here for so long and be good. Well, so so we have you on the call, Jim, and we know we know it's all for most of us. It's all in good humor. For some of us, it's it's not. But <laughs> how, how are you rolling with the punches when it comes to us taking stabs at your beloved childhood uh, machine? Well, it's perfectly understandable. It's a piece of crap. <laughs> <laughs> you guys heard it from the mouth. <laughs> so, yeah. But it's it's kind of like a secret a secret hidden in the superhero identity in the Elise, right? Like, it's like it went to France and became a uh, some kind of uh, secret super spy or something like that. Yeah. Well, it yeah, became the Juan, alternative Juan. life or something. It became the to... Jerry Lewis of computers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we get to Juan. He was holding up his Alice a little bit earlier, but I don't think uh, anybody saw because it was still zoomed out in the screen. So when we get to him, he can show it again. Yeah. Um, the, the one thing I want to say, though, really, the reason why I hate the machine so much is it killed the deluxe color computer. Simple as that. Tandy was going to come out with two machines that year, and there was only enough uh, the 6847s to do one or the other, so they decided to do the MC10 and canceled the deluxe color computer. How many MC10s do you think they sold, Steve? <laughs> Not enough. Five or six. No. <laughs> <laughs> How many... So they made 5000 enough for each store to get one, and they could use it for accounting like that. But you're right. They had to make more because they had more doors. <laughs> there was at least a front door and a back door to every store. So. <laughs> and in what California, there's probably more because of our fire codes. Yeah. What amazes me is that Jim uh, has done so much work on the uh, MC10, as we saw from that website, yeah. yet he thinks it's a piece of crap. I mean, I, <laughs> it's my piece of crap. I, yeah. I mean, it knows what the heart wants. You know, it's red all serious. Yeah, you've done a great job here. with a piece of junk. I mean, you can polish a turd, <laughs> but, you know, 
you've made it look better than a polyester. Oh, come on. That Beckman pig. He basically put <laughs> lipstick on a pig. Yep. <laughs> Pucker up. <laughs> yeah, she's uh, tired up now. Oh, my God. oh, it's definitely Coco after dark. Yeah. Um, At least the screen doesn't it's, blink. It's like, not a turd. Like, it's, 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 it's actually... It's actually a, a baby Ruth in a swimming pool. Duty! <laughs> <laughs> With the Jaws theme. No, 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 no. That's giving it too much credit. <laughs> I like to think of it as um, in comparison to the ZX81. You know. Yeah. 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 With a worse keyboard. It does a better color than the ZX81. Like okay. a ZX80. Yeah. Right. yeah. And it's not black and white. When I was that was my alternative to buy when I they had them at the uh, they had them at the local bookstores and stuff selling um, whatever they were called here Timex and Timex Sinclair yeah. yeah yeah so it was either that or the MC10 so well you picked right out of those, those choices yeah. yeah I don't yeah, yeah. Most people still love the ZX though I mean, I don't... so Jim do you program for a living oh no I'm a I'm a professor at a university. What do you what do you profess? Uh, I teach philosophy <laughs> and religious studies. Philosophy. And you got an MC ten? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's yeah. why he bought an MC ten. <laughs> it's something about penance or something. I yeah. Think. No, it's you know I watch a lot of curling up here. My wife does anyway. I need something to kind of take the edge off when she's got yeah. the TV on. So I do, also, it's, it's like knitting. That's all it is. Yeah. It also serves as a curl when uh, they don't have one available. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, slides on the ice very well. Um, the question that was raised last week was, uh, "What does the MC in MC10, or what does MC10 stand for? Where did it come from?" The, the number on the screen is that it. Well, it stands for microcolor. MC is probably microcolor computer mm -hmm. or microcolor. And somebody told me that the ten is probably for inches from corner to corner. Ah. Uh, Okay, somebody else mentioned right. something too. There was something else about it. Ten was the number of graphic number modes. Number, number of graphics number modes. Sold. The number that was sold. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I agree. Uh, it yeah, might be the, might be the, the diagonal the ten inch. Had a had a had a ruler that went from corner to corner and said that. Mm. Yeah, because you have to measure the door stop to make sure it fits the door properly. So having the measurement yeah. built in the name was quite handy. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah. uh, that membrane keyboard of the ZX81 doesn't hold uh, doors properly. No. Mm. MC10 yeah, is much better for that. It's too chunky, yeah. yeah. No, they're too low profile. So do you it's program for any other systems, Jim? Well, I used to... Uh, my, my, my sister got a Coco when she went to university, and then um, she gave me that back in the... At some point, I so I programmed Coco stuff for a lot, quite a while, mm -hmm. and I you know I programmed in C, I programmed in uh, Basic 09 and so forth. But at this stage of my life, I've gone back to uh, something simple and, and yeah, I would grant you it's a simple computer. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Being there. a professor, you'd probably be uh, just the person to give us all Basic 09 training as well. <laughs> you haven't been to any of my lectures, no. Uh, yeah. So, do uh, your do your students know you have this alter ego of being this prolific retro game designer? 
it, well, it's not something I, I I kind of trumpet to the skies. No, a few of my fellow colleagues do, but it's a bit okay. of a shame. Yeah. Kind of a secret, really. It's like your alter, well, I don't know. Your Maybe alter I should, identity. I yeah. It's, it's wonderful, well, I do, wonderful hobby, uh, though. I do have to hand it to you. You have done a lot for the machine. You have kept it alive in the hearts of the few that really, really enjoy the machine. Mm. And yeah, you know, I'm being serious about that. You've done well. Yeah. The thing I like about the hobby is is going back and finding old programs that are from the classic age of type-ins. That's the thing that I'm most fascinated by. Like um, programs like uh, uh, I forget what it was called. It's like uh, you play. Uh, it's a simulation for a space adventure. It was like one of the first space adventure RPGs. I found one of those a couple of weeks or months back, and what was it called? It was called um, Star Merchant or something. And that code, the, the only code I could find for that on the net is uh, uh, a, uh, an old listing for something like a Deck 10 or something like that. And, uh, you know, lots of people talk about this this program starting up the kind of the whole space uh, um, uh, sales adventure kind of uh, genre. But there's not a working copy of it available that I can see unless somebody can kind of get a Deck 10 uh, emulator going or something. So I, I converted that one. So it's kind of like archaeology a bit. Mm -hmm. And the MC-10 just allows for that to kind of be a context for that. Oh, the Deck 11. That's, I think that's Space Wars you're talking about, right? Yeah, something like that. Or Star Trader. Star Trader is what it was called. Um, actually, I think. And... Uh, uh, and it's like a classic, it's like the, the code for that goes back to something like 1972 or something like that. I mean, they oh, that were was, still using, you know. Yeah, I think uh, that was Space Wars because doesn't it have a, like the sun in the middle and it, it can uh, you can have it gravity and all that kind of stuff? Are you talking about that one? No, no, it's not an arcade game. It's no, a, this, uh, wouldn't, this wouldn't an arcade. It's a, it's a trading, uh, based More something like a trade on, wars oh, Trade Wars. Trade like Wars. Yeah. You're thinking of Space War with an exclamation point at the end. It was made for uh, Deck PDP in the 60s. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, actually yeah. it precedes that with the Czech Tixo Zero from MIT. Wow. And eventually they it was made to an arcade game in 77, a vector-based game. There's yeah. a PDP-1 on display at the Computer History Museum, and you can watch Space War. Uh, you can play it there. Neat. Neat. But you can find a lot of code for those old uh, mini computers on the net, net, basic source and so forth. So it's, you know, I'm just uh, kind of out there scavenging that stuff and finding out about these old programs that kind of started whole game genres on their own, basically. Oh, yeah. And, you know, so. I, I mean, I there was a guy who discovered the original code for the original text adventure, um, uh, Colossal Cave. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and found the original Pascal for the very first version of that. And I was able to get that code and scavenge all of the, the, uh, the, the statements of, uh, uh, for room data out of that and then squeeze and make a version of that text, classic text uh, adventure that fit into the 20K MC-10. Wow. Uh, yeah. Have um, you guys heard the interview with the, the gentleman who who took that game and made it uh, for the Atari 2600. So the Atari 2600 has, what, 128 bytes of Oh, that RAM. one. Yeah. 
And there's an interview with him. I can't remember his name. Um, it was, I think it was on one of the podcasts. And it, it, it's an incredibly interesting interview because that platform is so limited. And he basically you know, talked about how he squeezed all of that that adventure into that 128 bytes of RAM. So it's, you know, for those of you who like to do coding, uh, it, it's pretty interesting. There's some guy on the uh, MC10 Yahoo, uh, the um, Facebook group who says he's trying to try and make a version of that for the MC10 wow. adventure. Stuff How much RAM is in the MC10? Mock up graphics of the uh, castles and stuff like that. Now, there is some graphic capabilities, and you showed us, you pointed us to a couple of YouTube videos of, um, you know, like an asteroid game, and they've ported one of the Pac-Man games or come up with a Pac-Man game for it. What is the yeah. highest resolution mode you can get on an MC-10, even if you have to add some performance enhancement to it? Uh, because the uh, of the architecture, I think the only thing that you can get to is something like, um, I think it's whatever, it's like, um, 96 by 96 by uh, uh, 128 or something like that. Okay, so it's like res resolution graphics four or something. I don't know. Okay, so that I sounds like P mode zero and one. Yeah, something P mode zero or one. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. much it. Yeah, three K screen is the maximum you can do because otherwise you're going past the four K limit. Yeah. Everything, all the graphics have to go into that original 4K. Right. So you only had one page too, so no double buffering or page flipping, anything like that. That's right. Every if you use the higher resolutions, you can see the top part of the screen, but then it's it's mirrored to the bottom, so you get a a third of the bottom of the screen uh, is just the same as the top for those mm. very high resolutions. The, yeah. Okay. Uh, does a memory map uh, wrap? Yeah. It does a wrap, yeah. And, uh, you know, that's always been a, a kind of a uh, an annoyance for MC10ers to have to live within that. But. Well, one of the things that I saw them use is you put the score up at the top and it wraps around at the bottom. So you to see the score twice? Yep. Yeah. Now, did you see, Jim, that um, Brendan Donahue's Coco VGA was adapted to work to an MC10 so they got that VDG outputting to a nice clean uh, out, uh, you know monitor yeah that looks beautiful yeah. it I, supports know, a 64 I, by 32 as well because that fits in 2k 64 by 48 is uh, yeah doable in a regular screen yeah, for the graphics, the, the Coco VGA, when he installed though it does 64 by 32 text so your semi graphics oh, goes up to 128 by uh, 64. Right. Neat. Neat. Yeah, I like seeing stuff like that. All right, so no, Juan, I find modern TVs take you know the output and do a pretty good job of it anyway. Yeah, um, Juan Carlos, are you ready to share with us some stories of uh, Brazilian color computer clones? Because I'm dying to hear some of this stuff. Oh yeah. All right. So well, you... about the MC1000. <laughs> oh no, no, that that, that that's too weird. Where I'm trying, I'm trying to, uh, I have to resist the temptation or trying to separate things because in order to explain properly how a computer fan from the 80s in Brazil operated, I have to explain the the legal background and how technology operated in, in the country. But uh, let's start by simpler things. Uh, in the fin in finishing the second year of college, we 
was 1984 for me. In the two years previous, I had my previous experience with computers with a clone of a TRS-80 Model 1, with the Apple II and with CPM computers, with, and with a Boros B6900 mainframe at college. And then at the end of 1984, a tech company recruited people at the at the the university at the college where us where i was uh, doing engineering and they hired a dozen of people including me and then i was presented to this new thing the trs 80 color computer my my i have to admit that my first impression wasn't uh, wasn't good wait it only has 32 characters across the the model one i has uh, i had i had at 64 then I, I started learning about the, the VDG, I, I studied the schematics, I, I had uh, copies of the, of the Unraveled books, and I got myself familiar with the architecture. My job at that company was to uh, make assembly language pro uh, programs for the, for the programmers of applications to, to use. Uh, they, the, the, uh, let me share the screen. I, I'm going to show you uh, the, the 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 Coco clone we we had. Okay. Share screen. Blah. Screen. Blah. Is it, where is it? Where is it? You might need to mute that computer because that sounds coming back. Is it? Where is it? You might need to mute that computer because that sounds coming back. Sounds like it might be the uh, live stream on YouTube. Hmm. Okay, that looks interesting. That almost looks like a Mark Data Products keyboard. Oh, I think he wants still muted. Okay, let me unmute myself. Uh, <laughs> it was a case that was very similar in, in shape to the to the Coco One. Uh, there were uh, three other companies that made clones, and we only had the clones because it was not legal for foreign companies to sell computer here. We uh, we had a protectionist policy uh, that was meant to uh, uh, stimulate lo local industry. So th they said. Uh, if you if you want to sell a computer, it has to be a Brazil-made computer, and you have to submit the the the, the blueprints and the, the the entire project to the government, so you can have a license to manufacture that. Uh, we we lived in a military dictatorship at the time; so the uh, things were very controlled, and. Uh, what what did companies do? They went through the path of least resistance, which is clone computers from elsewhere. So uh, for that reason, we didn't have uh, computers like the, the Commodores and the Atari 8-bits and the Texas TI-99 because they weren't easily clonable. The, the Coco was easily clonable. The TRS-80 was easily clonable. So was the Apple II. And with some effort, the Sinclair ones too. And CPM computers too. So that's wh what we had. The, the law was only changed in the late 80s and early 90s. But it has some interesting side effects uh, because uh, even though the, the companies copied everything, they, they had to to remake it and they have I had to understand the project so they had to have engineers and people uh, working with assembly language program to 
to do the patches that were necessary and uh, it ended up creating a, a, a pool of tech-savvy people that uh, had the collector effect of, ma of making Brazil a, a fairly tech-savvy nation as far as developing countries go. So that's what happened. I, wa I was part of it and was hired by that company. And I, I lived my days uh, programming for the 6809 and, and making patches to the ROM basic, alter it to, to, to whatever ends. And I, uh, I actually had uh, a lot of freedom to invent things to, to make. I, I, I patched the, the, the basic a lot. Uh, they, they came up with... Uh, with a word pack, in a retrospect, I, I remember it was a word pack. Within, uh, I made uh, patches so the the character output would go through it. They actually made uh, an edition of that color computer, which was uh, air quotes, a professional computer with a, a, a numeric eight columns for people to develop applications. That company, mm. in, in addition to, to manufacturing the computers, uh, they also program business applications, small business applications, in basic, in column mm. basic. Wow. And for that, mm. they, they, they had uh, other hardware hacks. For example, they, they had a client-server architecture. You, you would have one cocoa, one heavily altered cocoa with a... Uh, with a lot of PIAs in addition to the two, to the two ones the Coco has, and they would communicate with other Coco by parallel interface. It was a, a star architecture, and they actually made uh, business systems on that uh, uh, payroll, inventory, and taxes and whatnot. Wow. And people bought it. Wow! Wow! Hey, Juan Carlos, can you do me a favor? Can you minimize your Skype? Because on your screen share, we still see like your Skype window, and it's just kind of. Uh, Whoops. Yeah, there we go. That's fine. Better. Um, uh, no, it it's, an, it's, it's a neat looking machine. Now, let me ask you this. Is the cartridge slot pin compatible? And is it also size compatible where you could plug in a normal uh, U.S. Cocoa cartridge? <laughs> That's funny. Of the four manufacturers of, of, of Cocoa clones, let me show you the other three. Okay, which one is this we're looking at now, that gray unit? This is a Dynacon MMX uh, 1600. Take, take a look at this. Uh, this is the cartridge slot. It's not compatible with the Coco slot, except electronically. But uh, you, 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 you could plug a, a PCB in there. You could plug a custom uh, cartridges, which are smaller. The, the Coco cartridges are a bit wasteful in size. Uh, okay. And it, this was not the only one to do that. That one did too. This was the most successful one. Uh, it also has a tiny cartridge slot which has was you couldn't use uh cocoa cartridges original cocoa cartridges with okay. any <laughs> brazilian clone and, okay. and with, with us it got worse we didn't <laughs> have any cartridge slots at all it was meant to use with uh, a disc controller let me take a look at the inside let me take a look at it open oh this is this is open up do you take a look at this yeah this is the cartridge slot. It is inside. It was meant to hold uh, the disc controller, and just that. Wow! It, it was meant to, to use with cartridges, but but it was a cartridge. You you could plug uh, um, in a wieldy fashion uh, a cartridge here, but it wasn't <laughs> meant to use cartridges. Wow! 
what we had was you closed it and you had a flat cable coming out and you uh, uh, connected to the drive to a normal uh, uh, 10 standard drive. Look at and the you, size of that heat sink on the left. Yeah, big. Well, well, and how did you handle the lack of accent characters and stuff? Uh, you, you, you write without accents. You, your your text sounds funny. You you write coração and it comes out at, as coracao, and that was it. Not only with us, but with everybody. Every computer at the time. It took some time for internationalization to, to be a thing. Hmm. How many models would you say in all were there on Coco clones in Brazil? Four. I, I've showed you three of them. The other one was this one, and I, I don't even know where the cartridge slot is. This was wow. made in Rio Grande do Sul, near Uruguay. I see a flat cable here, and I suppose you uh, it connects to a connector in the back okay. to connect to a drive in the, in the same fashion. That's neat. So they didn't pay much attention to the. Oh, that's that's another thing. I, I go. I, I'll get to it right. Right. Was this was that the Brazilian MC10 you just showed us there? <laughs> <laughs> Am I back? You're back. Can You're you back. Me? Yeah. Hello, hello. Yes, hello, hello. Okay, okay. Uh, bad connection, bad connection. Okay. Uh, didn't I tell you about the server computer with yes. a lot of PIAs to communicate with other things? Uh, in, uh, instead of other cocos, which was we sold, you could, uh, uh, these calculators, these uh, office calculators, uh, uh, hollowed up its inside and, and ended up with just the keyboard, the display, and the printer, and hooked up this to the Coco, to the oh server Coco. Wow. Oh, no then way. It, then so it was, a, it was a key punch system. Yes, it, it was a point-of-sale system. Okay. A, a, a register. You, you, they... Uh, reverse engineered how this the the hardware of the printer and the LCD display, the numeric display and the keyboard worked and uh, and and built up a, a system to read the keystrokes from each of the of the calculators, uh, display numbers on it and print things on the printer. Wow! Wow! So how many That's of these would you be able to hook up at once to one Coco, one of these super Cocos? Uh, Four or four or six, if if, if I remember, you, you don't have that much addressing space to put PIAs on on the Coco as the FFO range. How long were these systems used? Till excuse me, can you repeat? How long did people keep using these systems? Uh, we not uh, this uh, not many years. Uh, uh, they stayed about five years in, in sale, and it didn't sell much. Uh, it was a local business, and and, and, it, and it kept running, and uh, it didn't sell much, but it, but it, it did manage to sell enough to stay afloat. In the end of 1986, uh, they switched to the to to the PC architecture, and that was it for me as far as 8-bit computing is is concerned. I I only worked in in 6809 thing 
Hmm. Wow. Now, would these run American Cocoa the software? The next year. Yes. It was totally. It was a Cocoa. It okay. was a Cocoa with a different case. Okay. Okay. A repack, basically. Yes, a repack. All of them were. All of them were specifically clones of the Coco One, because the Coco Two used custom chips, and we didn't have custom chips. Everything here has to be made with uh, off-the-shelf chips. Yeah, it's very innovative. I didn't even. I only heard about the Coco Three in passing. They 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 said uh, they only said it was too different and 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 it, it wasn't going to work for us and that was it. I I, I only uh, came to know the Coco Three when I came back to the retro computing. When when I discovered retro computing, which was uh, uh, around uh, 2012, 2011, 2012, thanks to thanks to the MSX guys here in Brazil, mm. I started going. Uh, I I. I came to know that there was such a thing as meeting of 8-bit computers fan, and I was, wow, I must go to one of those. Then I started going to meetings, then I discovered eBay and its other equivalents, and I was lost. <laughs> what was the software market like for these? Was there any locally produced software in Brazil? Like maybe there's some games that we've never seen, um, or was it all imports? For the cocoa, nothing. Uh, the, 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 uh, about imports, it's um, complicated. In addition to the market reserve law I talked about, there was another uh, wrinkle in the law in that the copyright law was uh, very badly crafted and digital information was a blind spot to it. As a result, it, it, uh, it ends up that copying software in general was not illegal here. Mm -hmm. So piracy was rampant. In fact, piracy wasn't piracy because piracy, by definition, is copying something when it's illegal to right. copy something. So, so there could not be such a thing as piracy. Wow. Uh, and that's for that reason that we could just uh, ship our computers with uh, patched up uh, color-based ROMs. So you had the original Tandy Microsoft ROMs too with basic and extended color basic? Yeah, so and we copied it. We copied them <laughs> willy nilly. That's so shady. <laughs> well, well, that, that's, that's it. I, 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 uh, I wasn't at the time. At the time, I was I was working on this. I wasn't aware that there was this this loophole in the law that was what I was doing was actually legal. I was afraid to to tell in public that I, I did that. Then I studied the law of, of the time much later and then oh i wasn't a criminal I'm not <laughs> going, no I'm you not weren't a criminal in your country you were doing things legally and you had to do what yeah. you need to do to get the computers operational because you couldn't bring the stuff in from out of states or exactly. out of country so you do what you have to do mm -hmm. we had to have computers so in that regard the law Worked and and in a kind of t twisted way, it achieved one of its sense with, which was to make our country more tech savvy, uh, familiar with technology. It did have that that effect. It uh, it also had other negative effects, of course, like any government decision does. And I'm not going to go into that 
because it is a source of endless flame wars and you get into politics <laughs> and, and nothing good can come out of it. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so you're, you're, you're basically your clone versions of Cocos were mostly used for business, weren't they? Ours was. Ours yeah. was more used for business. See, this was... Uh, the, see, see yeah, it was completely shifted from what the U.S. was. Most Cocos were consumer... You know, play things, educational this stuff like consumer. that. This but, one is consumer. Do you see it? Yeah. Yep, definitely see that. But most of the other ones were. Um, this was ne neither yeah. because it was a complete failure, <laughs> and this was this was was, uh, was uh, kind of like ours, more business. Right. Almost looks like a dragon. All right. It has an apple. Almost looks feel like an apple too. Uh, yeah, an yeah, apple, apple too. Case. Yeah. Very appley. <laughs> uh, use of of cases when the other clones. Uh, uh, Steve, you you did say you want to make a generic retro computing uh, podcast. Uh, yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. This this is uh, I'm trying to stay cocoa uh, here, but if I start talking about general Brazilian computer weirdness in the 80s, I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to end. Okay. Well, we we have more to, we have more to reschedule then, right? So that's good. <laughs> That's good. You're a nice, you're a well of, of information that we can always uh, drink from. Thank you. <laughs> Curiosity, what was the year or time period when things shifted from nobody can import stuff, uh, technology in Brazil because of the way the laws were with the regime, and when did it change? Well, it all started when we cloned the computer. We, uh, we weren't supposed to clone the Macintosh. That make Steve Jobs mad. Then Steve <laughs> Jobs called Ronald Reagan and told him to get mad. Then Ronald Reagan called Congress and told them to get mad. Then they levied sanctions against Brazil in orange juice and whatnot if we did not change that law. So then we said, yes, sir, and changed our law. <laughs> Money talks. Money. Yep. Money talks. Many talks, and that's that's a global truth. It's, a, <laughs> it's, it's all Steve Jobs' fault. Yeah, Steve Jobs. <laughs> that really, apple, that uh, that, that Macintosh would never catch on. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> but really, that Macintosh was an impressive feat of engineer. Uh, I I don't know of any anywhere else where. Uh, somebody managed to clone a Macintosh, a Macintosh classic. We managed to do that, and that made Steve Jobs mad. Hmm. It's a Unitron, right? Excuse me? Unitron? Was the company? Unitron. That's it. Unitron. Interesting. Well, of course you guys were going to be able to clone it. You had a lot of experience cloning other machines. <laughs> that's <laughs> Practice makes perfect. You know, that's what the government forced you to do. Yes, exactly. We, uh, I'm, I, I keep uh, thinking about what-if scenarios. Uh, like, what if uh, uh, the, there was a reserve mar market, but the copyright law worked and foreign companies were allowed to sue us for copy? Could, wouldn't couldn't that, ha that have forced us further to invent our own computers? Yeah. You had the, you had the talent pool to do it. 
basically you have two bits here uh, allow or not allow uh, foreign companies to sell here and allow or not allow piracy to run rampant in, in, so you have four possibilities the 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 normal possibility is uh, allow everybody to sell and allow everybody to sue us. So you have a purely consumer uh, peripheral country where nothing fun happens, which was <laughs> most of the rest of Latin America. Hmm. And you guys have that's, your own, uh, uh, you have your own Brazilian version of our Coco Fest too that happens once a year, right? We, we have lots of, of, of fests, uh, mostly in the states of Rio and Sao Paulo, mm. and uh, there's, there's a, a vibrant uh, retro computing uh, community here on, on many platforms, on the Apple II, on the color computer, on, on TED, of Tandy computers in general, wow. of, Sinclair, of Sinclair computers. There are fans uh, of Sinclair. I, I, I am uh, mentally incompatible with the Sinclair way of, of operating on computers but I'm, I'm not going to 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 speak badly of them like I want to speak badly of a fish that can only live in the Marianas Trench uh, <laughs> it's another form of life I have to respect yes. it yes it's a, it's a great mostly, analogy but mostly the MSX how long does it take uh, to fly to Brazil from Miami Do you know uh, 9 to 10 hours I nah, think okay I well, get you're thinking you're thinking that there is some good tourist spots there near where they're doing a Coco Fest. You would go to it. I've always wanted to go to Brazil for Carnival and see Rio de Janeiro and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where well, do you live, Juan? Tom says it. You you have uh, you have extra you have like an extra couch for me to crash on or anything or. <laughs> <laughs> Mi casa es su casa. Ah, that's good. Okay, so James Ross says Miami disclaimer, to Rio is, is eight hours. Disclaimer. <laughs> The previous sentence and my name shall not be construed as evidence that we ins that we speak Spanish. We do not speak Portuguese. <laughs> Portuguese. 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 Yes. Portuguese. Yes. Uh, eight yes. hours is what James Ross Obrigado. says. Yes. Yeah. Very cool. Very very cool. Um, and so, do you own any of these systems now? Oh, that's a sad story. I had one bought fr fr from the company itself. Uh, it has uh, a problem. I sent it to to fix, and they never sent it back. Ah, oh. ba bastards! Yeah. And then, when I was back into the retro computing community, uh, I months after uh, I had to go into the hospital for a cataract operation and exactly during that period somebody put a color 64 for sale in Mercado Livre which is uh, Latin American eBay and a colleague of mine bought, bought this one I never uh, saw another one for sale uh. the, the one you see here it's his and no I'm not envious of his in any way shape or form that's a lie and I'm going to deny it <laughs> yeah. yeah we've been hearing about these See, i've been hearing a lot about these through the coco crew podcast and everything else i've never seen one i've seen the cp400 before but the other three i'd never seen before so that, that was new to me too yeah well i even learned a lot on this conversation there's, there's another fun story from that company the, the one of the two owners of the company uh, is called Ricardo Seco, is the father of a soap opera actress. I actually met her when she was five. Uh, there was a, 
a company party, a company the 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 boss house which was very luxurious with uh, a swimming pool and whatnot and and people brought their children playing all along oh that that, that that's Ricardo Seco's daughter a oh, cute kid well, whatever uh, let me get more, more more barbecue talk blah 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 blah, blah. <laughs> that that that, uh, that kid grew, uh, grew to be this oh wow oh, wow <laughs> nice. Uh, that kid's ready to make a few uh, babies this, of her own. Um, uh, tales of lost opportunities. Let's not have that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Juan Carlos, we have uh, James Ross watching us in the live chat. Can you pronounce your full name for James so he can know who you are? My full name is Juan Carlos. And I am from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And currently reside in President which is a city about uh, six west from yeah you're breaking up a little bit why don't you stop your video again so we can get some bandwidth back to you oops it's okay uh, shall we speak again yeah well yeah kill the video or kill the screen share and then and then say it again because you were breaking up oh, a little bit share. wait wait a sec wait a sec yeah blah, 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 blah. stop sharing okay okay can i talk yeah go yeah. ahead my name is Juan Carlos Castro Castro. I'm an engineer. Uh, I live in Presidente Prudente, which is a city in Brazil, six miles west of Rio de Janeiro. Great, great. And we're very, very, ha very happy to have you with us tonight. It's always nice to hear. Some now, who is Javier R Riviera, too, who has joined us, too? We had somebody else sneak in on us. Hello, Javier. Javi Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, we can yes. hear you. Sorry, I'm a sneaker one. I'm, I'm. Welcome, Javier. Might be having some audio difficulties there. Um, yeah, that was really interesting to hear about and see some of these Brazilian systems because I've only heard about them a little bit through the podcast, and I find it to be really interesting. Um, can you hear me now? Yeah, we can hear you. Sorry, um, I was today in the meeting with a. Uh, Oh, oh, Javier! Hey, hey, hey! How are you? <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. That's Javier. Sorry, man. Hey. That's just I didn't know your last name. Yeah. Welcome. No, Welcome. Thank you. Yeah, I haven't even gotten to talking about that yet, but now that we have you here, we can we can talk about that in in a minute here. Um, yeah. So I've been hearing about the Brazilian systems. I've been hearing about the Brazilian Cocoa Fest. So it's kind of cool to see it, and it's kind of very cool to hear firsthand about somebody who was on the ground floor when these things were being made. Um, and know. the legalities that were surrounding, because I never knew any of that oh, stuff before. Now. That was yeah. very interesting. I know that stuff. Yeah, yeah, that is so cool. Yeah, it's right, a very big deal with the Apple stuff too. I mean, they were cloning the Apple II and the Apple IIe left and right. Well, what was we had an American clone of the Apple? Was it the Franklin or Frank, uh, Franklin was one of them? Yeah. several. Yeah. But that but was that sanctioned? Was were oh, they? Was, yeah. That was not sanctioned. They got their nope, hands. They slapped. got sued. Okay. In fact. In fact, it set a precedent that IBM used against Eagle Computer to say, hey, says IBM in the ROMs, it belonged to us. Yes, nobody yeah. ever got fired for, buy, for buying IBM. <laughs> All right. So, wow. Actually, I, I did have one last question for our Brazilian expert. Okay. What type of video did you guys use back in the day? Was that PAL, NTSC, or what? It was a variant of PAL uh, called PAL-M. 
uh, which is uh, we used uh, uh, American uh, frame quantities and frequencies mm -hmm. for the transmission coding. So we okay. had, yeah. Yeah, uh, James Ross says it's called Pal Pal M. Okay, I was just a little curious there. Yeah, I'm not familiar with Pal other than I know it's typically been like European, but I I do have a lot of uh, analog capture devices that I use to record things, and I noticed that there are settings for Pal. One of them was called Pal M. There was another one that's called Pal J, and I don't know if that means that, I don't know if that's referring to the Japanese version of Pal, but I guess maybe there's a few flavors of Pal. Japan actually uses NTSCJ. Oh, does it really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, the the thing about PAL is you don't get the artifacting mode that you get with the American NTSC. Right. Yeah. It's it's uh, vertical instead of horizontal, right? Mm, that's not it. It's higher bandwidth. Mm. We do have artifacts in our our PAL M Coco clones, but they happen very differently. Now, do you, so the it, the games look a bit funny. Are mm -hmm. there are there any of uh, Brazilian retro festivals that happen to take place right around the same time as Carnival, so we can get like two for one out of this uh, trip? <laughs> Actually, yes, there is one meeting, but it's a platform specific meeting. It's for the MSX. It happens in São José dos Campos, but I don't know what uh, its future state is because the 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 company, the the video game store in which it took place, uh, went under. Ah. So I don't know if the the meeting itself, uh, in principle, the meeting itself should be able to continue. But I, I I'll have to get back to you on that. Yeah. There there is a very large Brazilian community in South Florida where I live. So we I I'm used to having lots of Brazilian neighbors and and crazy soccer fans too. So. <laughs> Are there other kind of soccer fan? Yeah. Our foot. Like you guys call it football. Yeah. Yeah, football. It's a proper name. What you call football is neither foot nor ball. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, we got we have more people to talk about. We have more things to talk about. We've got a Nitrous Nine update. We've got a David Ladd tech segment, and who knows what else. But we're going to take a commercial break. John Strong has joined us too. Welcome, John. This has been one of the most packed panels and packed audiences that we've had in a while, for especially for a late night show. All right, so we're going to do a commercial, and we'll be back, guys. So, so see you in about a minute. Hey, everybody. This is Bill Noble, co-author of Nitrous 9. You are listening to Coco Talk Live, the leading live Coco Talk show. Where can you catch all the latest news and information about the daily color computer and compatibles? Oh yeah. I'm talking about the Coco Crew Podcast. Dig it each month. Join John, Neil, and Mike as they lay down the latest news and information about the Radio Shack Tandy Color Computer and Compatibles. Groove to interviews tech segments and discussions all about the Radio Shack Tandy Color Computer. Strut your fine self over to www.cococrew.org and start listening today. The Coco Crew Podcast. Keep 
fellow Americans, Australians, Canadians, Europeans, and all of you ands, I'm calling on all y'all to help us make the world great again by visiting the Retro Swag Shop at 8bit256.com where you can get yourself a coffee mug like this with a little cute cartoon character that says, I'm a cocoa nut. You could also get yourself a coffee mug like this with a color computer 3 that says, I'm a cocoa nut. You could get yourself a, a deluxe travel mug like this with the Coco Talk logo on it. You might even be able to get yourself a DVD like this with over two hours of gameplay. Goodness, it is time for us to rise up and make the world great again by enjoying some quality retro merchandise and Coco nostalgia. So please visit 8bit256.com and let's make the world great for the color computer. Thank you very much. All right, well, that, go, that will go on record as probably one of my worst impressions ever. Um, all right, so we are back, my fellow Americans. Ron DeVoe, what are you doing here? Are you holding up a damn cheeseburger for us? Hamburger? Yeah. Um, I just uh, <laughs> so excited. Uh, that excuse, I got... me, excuse me, what was that supposed to be an impression of? Well, that was a really bad Bill Clinton. <laughs> you know, Bill Clinton's usually like my fellow Americans. Uh, you know, I like I have I have a hard time. Tell what that was? Yeah, it was a really bad Bill Clinton. I thought it was George Bush. Yeah, George, yeah, Bush, George yeah. W. Bush. George, yeah, yeah, my fellow Americans, I I cannot tell a lie. I, I did not have relations with that cocoa. Um, so, Ron Delvo, our resident artist, what are we working on here? I just sandwich uh, artist. Yeah, I, I made a. Uh, well, it's this is my cocoa pie, and I have my own stuff on the cocoa pie, and that's what's so in interesting here. Oh, so you're running uh, your color graphics drawing program on your cocoa pie right now? Yeah, that's what's so cool. It is. Yeah. It's a computer inside a computer. Yeah. So if you it's look Inception. over here, I can scroll to what the cocoa pie looks like. Yeah, I have the same clear case. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I finally got um, a uh, card, you know, uh, what do you call this thing? It looks like a stick in there. Is that a USB doohickey. flash drive? Or yeah, is that doohickey. A, a, I got a doohickey. the doohickey, and I was able to uh, put all my STC um, files and stuff on it, so it's mine now. I got nice. my hoop on it. Nice. Well, you know. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Might want to use some uh, some cleaner. Now, have yeah. you have you connected it to your home network? Yes. Okay, and, uh, so it is so awesome. I don't even need that card now. Right, right, because because it has a file share on there. You can just drag sure images does. over to it through the network, which I think is yeah. great. It it's is awesome. there's so much thought went into that, you know, and that's why I've been wanting to talk about the cocoa pie for gosh six months now, and it's just really tracking down Ron Klein. This is well. I'm calling it his baby, but he's not the originator of this. He's just taking it to the level it's at because Chris Hawks has been working on color computer emulators for quite some time. Chris Hawks actually has an um, adapter that will take a real Coco keyboard, take that um, ribbon cable, the, and, and convert that to USB so you can plug a real Coco keyboard into your RetroPie and then so you can run a Coco Pie inside a Coco 3 case and, and use the real keyboard. And so that's a cool thing. 
Um, but sure. but the project that Ron Klein has done with this, he's just taken it to so many different levels. Um, he's done a lot with it, so it's not your normal distribution of Raspberry Pi. Um, it's he's overclocking the CPU, he's optimized the screen resolutions, he's tweaked a lot of things to really make this thing run as smoothly as it can on a Raspberry Pi 3. Uh, and there's just tons of value added things to it. There's a built-in web server that you can file share and drag stuff over to it. It's got um, uh, drive wires running on it natively. It'll run the MC server if you want to connect an MC10 to it. That's um, also got, I think, um, Roger, what's Roger Taylor's uh, one called, Bill Noble? Uh, Cocoa and a chip. Well, what's his, what's his network thing that's like drive oh, wire? Coconut. Yeah, it might even do CocoNet, but it does a lot of these different network protocols. Um, that CocoPie project, just, it does a ton of stuff. Um, and I can't wait to get Ron Klein where we can really just have a, a nice expose on that. Um, I uh, ran in there and jumped in and made a CocoPie Facebook group. So <laughs> You got a group for just about everything at this point. Yeah. <laughs> just, just to, uh, as you say, weed out or... Uh, what, uh, what do you usually say to ruin the cocoa community? yeah to divide the community you're dividing <laughs> the community <laughs> yes so yeah. well, well speaking of communities we have another guest with us so javier welcome to coco talk hey guys how you doing we're doing good um i met javier and a group of people today i didn't talk about that yet um what what my day was like what my show and tell was all about um, we're waiting on your video to come in, Javier. Were you trying to uh, turn on your camera? I tried, but it doesn't work, so I don't know. There we go. Going Hold on. on. Uh, the wheels are spinning. Yeah. Um, well, I tried. It's like, it's like the Mac OS, <laughs> right? It's the, the, the beach ball. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Better not clone it. Yeah. So let's put you on the spot now. Tell us a little bit about your past, what you did when retro machines were new, and then fast forward to what you're doing today in the retro hobby. Well, hopefully you guys don't hate me because I'm not going to speak too much about Goku. <laughs> hey, Javier. Uh -oh. Javier. This yeah. is Mark. I'm another Apple guy. They, they tolerate me a little bit. Oh, good. Sometimes. Well, at least I got some support. Yes, you do. <laughs> so, no, nothing. That was... um. Uh, this was uh, back in the old days. My dad used to work for Sperry Univac, actually. So that was my first uh, thing on on, um, on computers. I used to go with him and see the big, big, big mainframes, you know, doing these big things with a bunch of cards and all that. So then um, later, my first computer at home was a Pong. And then uh, my dad br brought a um, TI-994A. So that was our first real computer for, for a little while. And then all my friends have Apple IIs and Apple IIes. And uh, I asked my dad, you know, my, my brother and I, we asked him, hey, can we, can we get an Apple? Because, you know, that's what our friends have. So finally, he sneaked out back in, you know, I used to live in Mexico. So he sneaked out a, an Apple IIc. And when they arrived, it was funny because I saw it. I was like, this is not an Apple. I want an Apple, you know. And there's no floppies. There's nothing, you know. This is too small. So he finally f showed me, no, yeah, this is an Apple. And look at the, at the drive and all that. And all of a sudden, I... I had a top-of-the-line machine, actually. It just came out. And I don't know, you know, in Latin America, the, the magazines arrived like three or four months later. So I never even heard about it because, you know, it was behind. So that was my first thing, you know, and it, it lasted for a long time. And then I finally got a, a Mac when it, you know, when I went to the university. And uh, from then, I, I've been using Macs all, all the rest of my life. And 
PC is just scarcely, unfortunately, but you know. And then a few years ago, I just came back to the to the retro because I was I, I saw online um, uh, somebody converted an Apple IIc. They put inside um, a Mac Mini, so. I wanted to do that. I said, yeah, I want to do that. So I went up and, and bought an Apple IIc again. And when I begin to to open it to, you know, take out everything, got it and, and put a, a mini, I realized it was beautiful. And, you know, and I turned it on and it was working. And then I remember my old machine and, you know, everything worked. And I was like, no, I'm not destroying this machine. I'm just going to keep it. And then I, I begin to clean it. And, you know, after that, I retro it uh, and everything was beautiful. Then I have to get the monitor. Then I have to get the external drive, and you know that, you know, slippery slope, man. Now I got tons of, of two C's, tons of Macs. Uh, I'm sorry, apples. I got some some Macs, but I, I really like the Apple II more. And uh, I was chuckling because I also got a Brazilian clone, the uh, Milmar Laser Two C, that it's actually um, a spit in image of the Apple Two C. Wow. It also has the Apple logo. <laughs> <laughs> that that good it is. It's funny as hell. That's a real. I love cool. it. It's it's a great. Well, it's not a good machine. Honestly, Wait, did I, did I tell you about coping? Yeah. Why did I tell you about coping? It uh, uh, it gets worse. It gets worse than the Apple logo. Uh, oh. There that was a company called Micro Digital, which sold a. a, a uh, CX Spectrum clone, and they had a division for selling software. And since the company was called, called Micro Digital, the name of their software division was Microsoft. <laughs> really? I swear yeah, to God, that's true. It was wow. like the old West. You couldn't do. You couldn't go in there and say anything. You know, that was. It was kind of fun. So that's that's uh, that's the story. You know. Um, yeah. And now, being, you know, I have a bunch of clones uh, of Apple IIc, Apple IIc's, you know, from all, all choices, you know, Europeans, Apple IIc's. Um, my only one that I'm missing and I'm looking around is for a Spanish keyboard Apple IIc. That's, mm. you know, it exists, but I haven't been able to get a hold of one. Ah, neat. So that, that's where I am. And also, uh, the guy saw it today in, on, at the meeting, I do uh, uh, conversions. I take uh, old monitors, all Apple II monitors, uh, got it out when they don't work, and uh, put an LCD inside, but I make sure that they look almost uh, the same as an original one. Yeah, I was telling those, I was telling the guys about that on my ride home today. It's really neat what you've done with, with all of those different displays. Um, you had the one that was connected to the Apple IIc. You had the other one that was connected to the 2GS. Um, you had that little narrow wide one. What was that little skinny wide monitor called again? Um, oh, the, the the flat screen. Yeah. Apple IIc flat screen. Apple IIc came out with a flat screen that was a dud uh, back in the day. And uh -huh. uh, I got a hold of one and also converted to LCD. It actually looks really nice. Yeah, yeah. As I remember, they were LCD, but they were passive and they were just gray scale. They were horrible looking. Just a crap. Just yep. Yeah, I had one back in '87. Well, yeah. Now, now the one that I converted actually is re very readable. You know, it's full color. So now yeah, that's what Stevie said. He said it looked excellent. Yep. It it looks really nice. It's it's good, and, and you know, it's it's also driven by the you know the the power comes from the computer, so it's really part of it. Um. So Stevie said. You you broke up, Mark. Mark, we lost audio.
<clears throat> you're back. You're uh, back. <clears throat> yeah, my cat's sitting on the keyboard. <laughs> uh, of so, uh, Stevie said that you found a screen. It was used for like a visor, a visor yep. monitor. Yep. It's uh, from the trucks. The truckers use put these uh, monitors on their visors to be able to see the back of their truck. So that was perfect. That was uh, almost exactly the size, you know. I just modify a lot of things and, you know, the cabling and, and the power. And, you know, I'm taking the power from the computer and the, and the signal is directly from the composite. So it's, it's NTSC cool. composite. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, Steve, you got video of this? I do, but I didn't have time to download it to the computer oh. or anything else. So we'll, I'll, I'll edit that all tomorrow and, and, and release them. But, yeah, it was just too much. I didn't have enough time by the time I got home just to get ready for the show. So, yeah, it was a neat meeting, a good group. How many people would you say were there, Javier? Like about six, eight people, something like that? Like eight people, I would say, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This was my first event like this. Um, uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and I'll, I'll pull up the page here real quick of, of the group. Um, now, is this held every year? Is it every so many months? Or is this the first one? Or? No, we, we had uh, about um, three already. So it's supposed to be every two months. Um, oh, okay, that often. It just we just started to doing it. You know, it's um, we we got together from a Facebook group for Apple II fans, and you know, uh, there's a, an Apple II big event every year called Kansas Fest, and we get a lot of fun over there. So we we figure out that we in South Florida could get together and do like little things. But you know, we we begin to find out that there's other systems. You know, we we believe that we are the only ones, but no. <laughs> yeah. So. You know, other people are, are showing up their their cool cool words, and it's actually a lot better because we we learn a lot. Right. Yeah. So the Facebook group is called the Florida Retro Computer Club, and so I, I met you, Javier. I met David, who was there, and um, uh, who else was there? It was um, uh, Vince. Was his name? Yeah. With the pet. Yep. And then. And then Stuart, who was doing the electronic stuff and who showed us that really cool uh, laptop. Yep. That was Stuart. Now, what was the name of the guy who had the uh, Commodore stuff? It was Rob or? Uh, what's his name? I think it's Rob, yeah. Yeah, there's so many names. I, I, can't, I yeah. can't keep them all in check. And, they, and the other guy who was originally from Montreal, who was the Commodore guy who had yeah, to leave absolutely. a little bit early. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was neat. We got to see a lot of systems. Uh, saw, saw some cool Commodore stuff, um, some Apple II stuff, Apple II GS, Apple II C. Got to see the Commodore Pet. Um, got a pretty cool little presentation on the history of the Commodore Pet and the different versions of it. And um, and then I represented the Coco, showing these guys some of the stuff that we have for that. And they all seem to be pretty impressed with that. So um, yeah, it was a good group, good sense of camaraderie. And um, it was great to meet everybody, just to meet some other people in the, in the retro hobby, especially that are closer to me. I don't have to fly to Chicago now to uh, hang out with <laughs> other retro people, you know? So. Right. <laughs> yeah, we can share a lot of knowledge. You know, I, I just got, um, honestly, I, I tell the guys, don't, don't kill me again. But, you know, I, I didn't have any good impression of the Coco just because it was not that big for me, you know? And mm -hmm. uh, I, I never saw one in... in in person, you know, working. The only ones that I saw were, were the ones on the on the Radio Shack stores, and they didn't have too 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 many things showing around. Mm -hmm. So, but you know, uh, now that I saw what you you guys are doing, it's pretty amazing. You know, it's it's really really 
you know, I want one now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't have a lot of experience with the Coco 3 myself until just recently. Um, so the things I've learned about the Coco 3 and what it can do and what people are doing with it are, are really impressive, you know. Um, so it's neat. I learned a lot today. I learned a lot about uh, a lot of things. So I'm, I'm really hoping you guys have more of these functions. And um, if we ever get somewhere where maybe there's good bandwidth and Wi-Fi, maybe we can even do like a live stream of the event. Uh, you know, I just wasn't sure what was going to be happening. This was my first one. But that might be kind of a cool thing to stream stream a future event or something um but yeah i yeah. love i love what you did with the with the lcd screens sorry mark go ahead oh i just say nick went and visited the apple get together what was k oz fest was it or was the other one no no yes, the one in, oz, the one in oz k fest oz k fest yeah oh oz k fest yeah that's good yeah yeah so nick was a coco guy who went to the uh <laughs> the, the yeah yeah, the K-Fest up in Australia. Across the lines. Yeah. I was and a it was spy. Neat. Yeah. And he uh, he had a, he was walking around with a little computer, and he was Skyping it so we could see what was going on. I got to talk to a bunch of people over there. Uh, it was neat. Uh, honestly, it seems like there's more hardware doohickeys for the Apple right now than there are for our, for us. You know, like we don't really have USB adapters just yet. There's... There's a handful of things that we don't have. It seems like some of these other systems are a little bit ahead of us on some of these uh, peripherals and um, you know port expansions and stuff. Yeah, there, there's a guy from Bulgaria that actually is like they call them the Bulgarian was, and yeah. he's um, he does a lot of cool stuff. He just did an accelerator for the Apple IIe, goes up to 20 megahertz. I know his name is Plumbing Vasilov. Yeah. So. He, he does a lot of, uh, you know... He's a soundboard. Yes. Go ahead. Bulgaria was the uh, high-tech Silicon Valley Mr. of the Plus uh, from Meek Fighters. I kid you not. <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah, this this guy is really good. And, you know, he's doing right now for the Apple II GS and Accelerator. And also for the Apple IIc, the small ones. Um so we're going to have accelerators pretty soon for those machines. And the cool thing about these accelerators is that you can just take a, you know, you can accelerate with a little uh, potentiometer. So it accelerates on, on the fly or slows the computer on the fly. Oh, wow. It's really, really cool. Uh, we showed at Kansas Fest last year, and it was really, you know, amazing how, you know, you're playing a game, and all of a sudden it goes really fast, mm -hmm. or you can make it really slow. And, and it's cool because, you know, you can play games that were very difficult now. Mm -hmm. the, the old days right so. you either slow them down or speed them up <clears throat> yeah, right. apple's apple's lucky because there's a company that still makes brand new 65 co2s and 65 816s up to 14 yeah. megahertz so <laughs> yeah this guy i don't know what he uses but yeah he's i think it's uh i think it's a western digital or a western design center one but hmm. how many k-fests have you been to have you uh three of them okay so far yeah, they, they've been doing it forever, Yeah, but I, I just recently found out about it, and, you know, I've been going every year and going this year again. Yeah. It's amazing. It's it's like going back to, to school, and, you know, it's it's a week of just, like, being a kid again. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't know if it was you or somebody else was saying, maybe it was Stuart, it's like, you're yes. not going to have time. If you go there, you don't have time to do anything. It's just nonstop for Sometimes five you days. Don't, you don't sleep. Wow. It's that cool. Yeah, because people open their, their dorms, 
uh-huh. and they have computers in there, and you can just walk by and, and just go in and, and start chatting. Uh-huh. And there's people that stay all night, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. And I, because I, I've been hearing about it, the Coco Crew podcast has been talking about it for you know like two years now. And I guess you have a maximum attendance of about a hundred people. In right. the past past year or so, you guys have reached capacity, and, yes. and I had to turn people away. Yeah, which is which is pretty cool. I mean, it's That's it's hard funny, to imagine, yeah. uh, you know, to get a. It's, it's one thing to say, yeah, I remember the system, I like the system, I'm a fan or whatever. But like for us, for Coco Fest, for the past couple of years, we've gotten about 80 people out there. And you could look at that number 80 and say, well, that's not a lot of people. But when you think about it, these are from all around the world. And people are spending, you know, several hundred dollars, if not more, to be there. So to get 80 people to actually attend something and leave the house, it's pretty impressive. So to get 100 people to show up, you know, um, it, it's it's impressive number when you put it in perspective, you know. And last, last year we have three Australians and two French guys. Wow. So, yeah, they come from all over the world. Yeah, that is neat. Yeah. No, it's amazing. It's, uh, you know, I, I didn't believe it until I went over there. And, and you know, I, you, you see the environment is really very good. It's like, like today, you know, very big camaraderie. There's mm-hmm. no issues, you know. There's a lot of people that, from different backgrounds, from different, you know, everything. You will see every kind of people Yeah. that, that I don't think in, in outside of this they will get along. To be honest, <laughs> you know, I, I was talking about some things like 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 guns and things, and we we had like arguments. But at the end of the day, you know, the the, the computer really puts together. You know, yeah. we didn't fight or anything. You know, yeah, that's yeah, neat. What, yeah. Once upon a time, we were always competing against each other back in the eighties. Now yeah. we're good friends. Yeah, I was telling the guys that I, I used to hate Amigas, and you know, kind of like this. You know, dismiss the the other systems because you know I was like a Mr. Apple, I'm the man, and now I understand a lot of things. You know, yeah, I, I matured. I think. <laughs> <laughs> now we just have to teach our politicians. Yeah, but no, I, I love cool. it. You know, I love that the fact that you you guys show me all the good cool things that you you have. You know, and uh, that's another thing I, I love about our systems now that you you can put everything in an SD card. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's what you need. And and what is cool about, at least in our community, too, is that some of the people who've been some of the founders and everything else who have just prolifically designed a lot of things, they're with us right now on the call. And they're still in our community and they're in the Facebook group. So, um, you know, the fact that you have this connection with um people that you only dreamed about when you were a kid you know it's like it's like hanging out with rock stars you know right and um and the fact that they're in our community and they're in our group and we have this connection now that you couldn't have imagined back in 1980 um just uh you know to be able to talk to these people on a regular basis that is kind of cool as well um and, and, the fact- and soon and soon it'll be we're so thankful that they're alive <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, um, you know, that level of connection that we have now. So there's some some things that modern technology has done that actually do enhance the community. We know we're 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 thinking about old technology, but things like Skype and the Internet, you know, bring us together and allow us to share this hobby. So it's very, very cool. Yeah. Also, I I, I love the the way that we're beginning to, to get together, you know, between between communities. 
Uh-huh. Like I'm with you guys right now, knowing you guys, and and also I, I was invited a few months ago to a community in Spain that they got a lot. Of, it's called Amiga Wave, and they do the same thing in in Spanish. They do a lot of videos and and they talk about the the their, you know, and and also like you guys, they got a lot of they mainly Amiga, but they you know play around with everything, so it's it's pretty cool too. Yeah, Juan Carlos was t- telling me about a podcast that's still going on in Brazil, a retro podcast that's been going on for many, many years. So that's cool that uh, you know this is a global, a global phenomenon, and not just uh, you know an you know, American European one, and it's like everywhere. That's very, very cool. Um, all right, so we are going to move on to some more segments now. Uh, where do we want to go from here, Ron Delvo? Do you have anything you wanted to share with us today? Yeah, I made a uh, logo for the Chicago Cocoa Fest. All right. Well, let's take a look at this. Now, has this been officially uh, embraced by the Glenside Color Computer Club? I do not know. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. (laughs) Yeah, it looks pretty nice. The 27th annual Last Chicago Cocoa Fest. That looks good. I like it. Uh, You got a Cocoa 1, 2, and 3, Cocoa SDC there. And Almost they, look, you still got to rotate the font on the bottom. Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't think I'm going to do that. <laughs> it, I uh, like being a little bit different. Yeah, almost looks like a, a, a almost looks like a presidential seal if you think about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Make the cocoa great again. Well, the cocoa's always been great. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Uh, Steve Bjork, you're muted if you were talking, unless you're talking to someone else. Never mind. Okay. Uh, hello. Welcome back, Alan Huffman. Uh, all right. So was that it, Ron? Yeah. Um, the other thing is, uh, you know, I'm going to be working again soon on the, the rainbow. And, um, and if you guys have now, since I've been working on it, we've had the um, SDC card. We got Cocoa Fest coming up. Uh, and now we have... Um, there's a group of guys that want to do, uh, want to have a super group of um, programmers get together with people with audio and video and everything. So, do you know much about it, or who, want, who wants to get into it? Did you see it on? Um, yeah, I saw it on the group. Yeah, this color computer dream team. There's the another color computer put dream together. team. Yeah. <laughs> The color computer dream team. I think it's a great idea. I don't think it's very practical or realistic when you got all these different people of different projects and priorities and stuff. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I think it is a dream, but I don't know if that's going to well, be a dream that would come true. We'd well, have to be able to get along. And that, I guess that's well, a big you thing. Got, you got a bunch of Cocoa developers on the call right now. Why don't you guys chime in on that topic? What are, What is the likelihood of coming up with this super group of of cocoa power players and working on a joint project well my problem is i got too many darn projects going on (laughs) me too (laughs) yeah and i think that's one of the big problems okay it's finding the time to work on another project right everybody's fully committed to what they got yeah overcommitted in some cases (laughs) Uh, everything i know the sun yeah, I, I think it's a great idea, but I don't know how practical it is for that to really happen. 
Um, if you look at some of the, you know, there was a time when one person could do it all. And some, some sometimes now, in, as it being a hobby, it's still happening where one person's doing it. But there were some, would we call it a studio or a shop where you had many people working on it? Was Datasoft kind of like that, Steve, where you had a bunch of people working on a project or... Uh, it varied on the projects. Uh, large ones like the Adventures had multiple people, but yet a lot of the games were single uh, programmers with artists. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you got to think even think about the logistics. You're you're dealing with source code, and you got many hands in the cookie jar. How do you handle the changes and the testing and the approval process and all that kind of stuff? There's got to be a lot of, you know. Now just ask me and Dave that. <laughs> um, yeah, the biggest problem I see is the egos. Yeah. Clash of the Titans. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, well let, let's so let's 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 look at all right, we have Nick Morentis, we have Steve Bjork, we have John Strong, three prominent Coco game developers. The three of you right now, what do you think? Could the three of you work on a project realistically? Down the road, it doesn't have to be right away, right? Well, part of the problem is, well, part of the problem though is all three of us have different programming styles. That's right. Yes. Yeah. I would be honored, but you know, uh, Steve's correct. <laughs> I would. I always feel extremely honored if either one of them would invite me to work on a project. <laughs> but does that mean that you would bow down to their whim? <laughs> I, th- I think we would end up with a bunch of programmers, you know, correcting everybody else's code and not actually doing any new coding. Well, you see the kind of stuff Simon's been doing lately. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Paul, I guess, and him are working together on uh, a new thing. Right, right, right I, th- right. I think two programmers you can get together. That's happened before. Like uh, Sockmaster and Nick worked on Gatecrasher, for example. Um, once you get beyond two, then it starts like you, like Steve mentioned earlier. It, it becomes a battle of egos, battle of programming styles, and well, you know, you know, different. Well, and, of, though they're they're thinking of uh, so, somebody doing sound, you know, and then other people programming. So right. Yeah. So if, if, if yeah, that I could see. So if that it's could, almost like an assembly line, you got one person that makes the music. You got another person who's maybe an artist and creates some sprites and some assets. Uh, uh, and to use like a uh, uh, an animation analogy, like you could have some matte painters that could create the backdrops, and um, and then so you could have people who are skilled in other areas, and then you get the coders that then take all these assets and put them together. That that could be something right there, right? If you could agree on someone to get somebody to the ultimate rights to decide what goes in it, so you could actually get something done. You know, it's maybe his is not the best choice, but it's the choice we're going with. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of the movie studio thing. You have a director, you know, you have the manager. If you're talking business, who that you know they're going to say, hey, we'll give you, you know, the authority mm-hmm. to make the final final say, and you know, have to go with it. Again, that requires sometimes not using maybe what an individual thinks is the best. In their particular thing, but it may be what is best to work for the project. Right. So they have to, you know, give in to that idea that, okay, we're going to let him decide that, okay, yeah, this is the greatest sound effect we have, but okay, we don't have enough space for it. 
or this or that, you know. Uh, so it could be a battle of egos, as, as Steve said. Uh, they're also talking it about. Can, it uh, can happen. They're yeah. also talking about putting a um, a sound chip of some kind in a um, SDC type of situation where it would be a kind of a standard so that everything's there and you don't need a multi-pack type thing and then you could write for that. Not even got it that way. Yeah. No, no thoughts? Yeah. <laughs> well, that, yeah, that, that's, that seems like that's been a sore subject for, for a lot of people. This, this new super, you know, whatever this new sound solution is going to be, there's, there's two or three options on the market and, you know, nobody's developed for them. But it, to me, it would make sense if, it, number one, there should be a standard. And number two, the accessibility of it, you know, to, to make the market bigger, it would be if it was something that everybody had and didn't, and it was easy, you know, ease of use. That He's would be the way to go. Something. Yeah, what do you got there, John? Uh, uh, the, That's well, a I, game master good. card. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so this, but, but the problem with that sound card, it's square waves, and, you know, you've got three plus noise. It's basically what we had back in the 80s. Right, when that yeah. almost, that seems period appropriate though too though. That's true, but you're not going to go beyond the 80s. Yeah. But it's so 1987. <laughs> hey, actually, so what what year did the uh, that TI come out? And other guys got one that's based on the one that's in the Vectrix. And then mm. what are you holding up there, uh, Spaghetti Curtis? <laughs> Alan. That's Alan. That's Alan. <laughs> yep, which is not very Curtis. similar. This is the, uh... Yeah, this is this is the one that runs off the serial port, like what Steve is talking to do with digital audio. I got the Sir Sound prototype playing sound from Basic for the first time tonight while this conference call has been going on. Mm -hmm. It's first time I've gotten to touch it since I showed it off last year. And what's now that's, still warm? <laughs> now that's still playing a full wave form, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's the old Texas Instrument sound chip. Yeah, basically my card uses six of those. Well, no. This is a well, synthesizer. Yeah, six of the MP3 this yeah. is a this is a synthesizer, right? If right, yeah. This is, the, is this is what's called that synthesizer. Okay. Yeah. This is this is just like the game master, but it plugs up through the Bitbanger port. And I did a proof of concept tonight, and I'm able to send commands and make it play. So, um, you know, this is something that I'm having. right off the bat so that these are neat because no multi-pack no multi-pack working on this little gadget here you just plug it up can be used on a bit banger on a color computer one you don't have to worry about anything else and they're cheap now a bunch of us a bunch of us in discord uh, about a week or two ago were discussing an rs-232 card that would actually be kind of like an rs-232 multi-pack where basically you have four RS-232 ports on one card, you have, each line has auto handshaking with a 256-byte buffer. Now, that, so, like a multi-pack where you have multiple things to plug in to that for the Coco, you plug this one card in to that Coco, now you can have four devices that are RS-232 connected, such as my sound card, your sound card, a lot of other devices that are out there. And and if we could make it provide something like that, also provide those logic level signals, 
that opens up a world of hardware, cameras, and um, you know the internet modules I've been playing with. All of that stuff talks through serial these days. That's what everybody's using. So uh, the problem right there there is you either use the Bitbanger or you have to have a multi-pack and an RS-232 pack. Neither of those are easily available currently. Yeah, but now you've got this new pack that does both TTL and RS-232 level. Yeah, see, that would be... Four. I, that would be ideal for me. I've been looking into all kinds of interesting things. I got a whole bag full of USB interface chips that, again, talk uh, logic serial. They would plug right into something like that and bring us all the USB devices, USB keyboards, mice, stuff like that. It's mm -hmm. exciting. Yep. And the thing is, we wouldn't be using an RS-232 chip. We'd be using, for four ports, we can use two PIC chips and a third PIC chip that is the governor for the whole thing. And the pick chips would be less than a buck each. Yeah, and this, this technology has been around for ages. Steve mm -hmm. was promoting pick chips to me a decade ago, but nobody's really seemed to have looked into them and doing anything like this. The modules, you know, some of the internet stuff is relatively recent. Uh, that's only been inexpensive the last couple of years, but there's been all kinds of little camera modules. It's what the Raspberry Pi and the Arduino guys have been using uh, forever. And they're cheap, they're available. I'm ordering all my prototype stuff off of Amazon, mm -hmm. and that's cameras and sound modules and all kinds of stuff that would run into an interface like this. Mm -hmm. So what do you guys think? I like that idea. Uh, who's going to write the software <laughs> to use it? We'll let the like a color computer dream team to me. Yeah. <laughs> one bridge port. Which, yeah, which I, one are they going to support? Mm -hmm. And how many people will have the hardware to actually utilize it? Well, the hardware yeah. is easy if it's available and it's cheap, right? Right. Yeah. Three, four you know, years ago, when I suggested that there should be a sound chip in the Coco SDC, that was before Ed started making the um, cartridges in, in bulk. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I got I got poo poo down for um, pushing to try have it done, and I just basically shut up and just let it go. <laughs> How many Coco SDCs are out in the market now? Over five hundred. There was the potential to have over five hundred sound chips making a sound standard in the color computer back from back then. That straight off as a software programmer. That was the way I would have gone, that writing my software to support that sound standard. We didn't, it didn't go that way, and hence we're still battling over which sound card are we going to have. Now, so Nick, well, we here's the thing is, the, the, Nick, if I can just say something real fast. Yep. What you're doing, your argument is so similar to my argument with Tandy back in yep. the mid-80s when they're developing the Coco 3. Yep. I fought and fought because that was one of the things I loved about the deluxe color computer. It had a built-in sound chip. That's right. That's Thank what should again, have happened first. MC10. Yep. <laughs> 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 because if they came out the deluxe color computer and it had that sound chip, do you know what they would have put in the Coco 3 to carry that on? The sound chip, yeah. The sound chip. I mean, that's been my... Every game programmer's one of their biggest things is because I have to spend roughly 25 to 35 percent of my CPU time doing digital sound effects using yep. the FIRQ. 
Yep. And I have an option in my games where you can turn off that digital background music and the game runs 25% faster. Hmm. So, yeah, I, I agree with you, Nick. I'm the same thing. Yep. That's one reason why I'm developing but, and, my cartridge idea. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. This is an open market. Um, anybody could have designed another floppy drive compatible interface and put a sound chip on it. But none of us are doing it. So somebody could clearly do that. And if there were two products on the market and their prices were similar and it was only $5 more for the one with the sound card, there's a good chance people would start buying that one. But nobody's doing it. So it's a great idea, but you know, Nick and I aren't going to be able to do it. But I can do this, so I'm, I'm doing what I can. Sure, sure. Yeah, and yeah, I'd buy the I'd buy a SDC with a sound chip on it in a heartbeat. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if I'd want to pay more than maybe ten dollars above the current price, depending on what the sound is. But that's the best investment I've ever made on the color computer. That is my all-time favorite piece of hardware. Mine too. That, and there was that opportunity to put the to redesign it to at least have a sound chip or an expansion, and that like that was a turning point in history. That was when it had to be done. Like Steve said, going back to the MC10 Deluxe Coco, that was a turning point in history for the sound in the color computer. Well, we missed the boat on that one. Tandy, well, you know, supported yeah, keep the in MC10. mind that probably the mistake here is everybody has different ideas of what they want from sound. Some think digital sound is great. Some think 1980s retro sound is great. But think about the old um, Disto Super Controller with its little expansion port yes. it had on it. Yeah, so they idea. had hard drive interfaces, parallel printer ports and stuff, but it could have been anything. Rather than say, let's build in sound, all they needed to do is say, give us a couple of TTL signal connectors, and then, boom, we can plug in whatever we want. RS-232 device, sound card, um, digital camera, all kinds of stuff could plug into that, and that would have been a much more open way to do this, and it would be cheaper on the hardware because you wouldn't be paying for all the sound hardware. Then you could have these little sound cards that could plug in for a couple of dollars. Well, that was one of the things I suggested, an expansion bus on the on a new version of the Coco SDC. But at that time, there was only about 20 Coco SDCs uh, made by, uh, uh, at, uh, what, what's his name? Darren Atkins. Darren Atkins. Because yeah. I bought one from him directly. And at oh, that wow. point, when I was saying, at that point, I was saying, when Ed was saying he was going to remake and, and, and ma manufacture these Coco SDCs, I was a, a big supporter of the Coco SDC. I knew it would take off. I knew it would be a big thing. And I was saying, put a sound chip in. That's your solution. No multi-pack required. Mm -hmm. Everyone will buy the Coco SDC. Put the sound in there. But, you know, I, I forget who it was. There was a group of people who said, oh, poo-poo, you know, go away. So yeah, I this, is, this is your OS 9, much like those of us that were using OS 9 and loved it and just could care less about dropping into Disk Basic and playing games. Um, we just didn't do anything for that market because it's not where our interests were. And so I totally get that. What we need is more hardware designers. But mm -hmm. now that we have multiple people working on projects, we're complaining that, oh, there's too many choices. Right. Right. So it well, is... You can only re you only really need one disc controller in most cases. Nowadays, everyone buys a Coco SDC. How many people bought 
uh, floppy disk controllers now. The Coco SDC has become the new standard. Yeah, that's yep, right. Yep, so yep. Put it in there. True. That without having to have sound on board. Right. Yeah. Well, that yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah. Well, well, what Nick and I and stuff. Yeah, Nick and I just would like to have seen these features backdoored into something everybody has to have anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And the yeah. next no, thing you might want to have is a multi pack. Yeah. Well, now, if you look at the Facebook pages at the moment, uh, there's a bit of a discussion in there about Ed. He's about to produce 50 more multi-pack twos. Unfortunately, he's already had the boards made. Mm -hmm. And I've been saying, okay, put the sound chip on the, on the mini uh, multi-pack. I mean, either way, you need to have a multi-pack. So rather than right. pay for a multi-pack... And a um, sound card, that's two devices, two devices, two 3D printed cases. Um, I was thinking, how about the mini multi-pack, have the sound chip there. You buy just the one device. So it's like, yeah. in my opinion, the next, the next um, historic opportunity. And I next think it's... Best gone. place. Yeah, that, yeah. that was the next. Well, the best was like what Steve um, Bjork was saying about getting Tandy to put it in. That was the best place, but we missed that. The right. second one was Coco SDC. We missed that. And the multi-pack is the third one, but I think we're going to miss that. So right. I wonder what yeah. the next one will be. But but the the mini multi-pack, you, you know, like for me, I already have a multi-pack. True. Yeah, me too. Yeah. But the thing is, those multi-packs aren't going to last forever. No, I, I really don't think the mini multi-pack is a good solution because it's only two items. It's doubling what you have naturally on the Coco. I like quadrupling. Um, yeah, but if you have the sound chip on the, on the mini multi-pack too, you've got one free slot. As it is now, the way it is now, you've got to have your Coco SDC and a sound cartridge. Well, that's it. Slots are used up. Mm. Have the sound on board you free up a slot as well and you reduce the price because it's one device i mm. think it would be better to have a mini multi-pack with that four port rs232 device well, because then you that, could hook yeah. up four items to it and it can be your sound card it can yeah. be a real uh mouse it can be a keyboard it can be a lot of things yeah, once we move to that type of yeah, once we embrace that standard, then it becomes a no-brainer because we're no longer talking about dedicated sound cards. We're no longer talking about building cartridges. We're just saying, give us the I/O lines so people can make these modules plug in. And is um, USB out of the question. You know, I, I think I think we'll get there. USB is out. I think of the we'll question. get there between all the projects that need it. I think we're going to get there this year. USB what? is expensive and it's really not designed to work with something as slow as a Coco. Okay. Mm. Well, it needs to have um, be able to accept all different kinds of devices and takes a lot of code or what? It's not just yep. that. It's how fast the interface is. The, what the Coco would have to be is the host to talk to these devices. These devices are not used to a host being this slow. They have some things like there's a USB adapter thing I got that's a CH576 or something like that. It's designed to link to like human interface devices. Yeah, yeah. The, the, but the thing is, 
a lot of the devices that are out there, people are thinking like a scanner. I want to put a scanner on my cocoa. It ain't gonna work. No, that's not gonna work. Uh, that's no. that's way beyond the USB though. <clears throat> the USB is just a transport mechanism. There's all of the right. other processing that's, stuff that's That's my possible. point. I mean, and Bluetooth is not an issue either. Bluetooth can be fairly slow. I mean, you could find, you know, uh, like a keyboard or a, a joystick or something could be done. Uh, didn't Roger Taylor yeah, I mean, came out with a Bluetooth yeah, interface? Yep, he had a pack that, that turned RS-232 to Bluetooth. Um, I've got a Bluetooth module I can plug into the Coco FPGA, and I can do stuff wireless with it. Um, I can also get it to the uh, color computers port using one of the same adapters. It's a module just like the Internet one. So Bluetooth is easy. Protocols are the problem. Bluetooth, yes. um, if the device only speaks 230,000 baud, well, then we're not doing that on the color computer. We'd need a special RS-232, some kind of new serial interface that can address these faster baud rates. And then can the processor even keep up at that speed? But, you know, Bluetooth is just another serial line. Bluetooth, USB, um, I've got a whole little pouch of, of things that convert uh, different types of USB devices to serial streams that will hook right up to the same adapter that I'm hooking that internet module to. So, you know, once we have that RS-232 level, we open up a world of possibilities. And, you know, this is a $4 chip that converts a certain type of USB device into serial streams. So it's very specific but at $4, who cares? You can reprogram it to do all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Is there such and a thing a as chip, a uh, yep. co-processor for the COCA? A co-processor? Yeah, like a 68,000 chip that would address that would be faster. Then we're getting away from one. Then it's not a COCA. No, just yeah. it, it, it would be like a co-processor. In other words, it would handle the faster stuff. You, well, could do, you could do all these things, but you're going to add a lot to the price. Right. Yeah, and that's what I'm already doing with this $2 internet chip. It runs okay. a full processor and all kinds of stuff. You can send data to it and have it do stuff. So it handles all the processing of TCP IP. My Sir Sound handles all the processing. It's got a dumb mode where you're just sending bytes to the sound chip <laughs> raw, which is what I got going tonight. But it's got a smarter mode where you'll be able to send it the string just like you did in basic. C, D, E, F, G, A, B. And it'll do things like that and play them in the background like the speech sound pack. These are sample. This, these are ways of coprocessors. You could even say what's in the Coco SDC is a coprocessor because you send it a command. Then it goes out and does all the heavy lifting. Cool. And here's the, uh, here's the little uh, USB gadget. Um, USB port on one side. On the other side are where you'd hook up power, transmit, mm -hmm. receive, ground. And there's some other signal lines in there. And you can volts. run code on that little $4 chip. And that's $4 if you buy them in quantity of one, just getting them off of a website right now. So these the, things... What's that? that the CH376? Um, this is something from um, microchip.com. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is, this is some kind of pick, pick chip. So all this stuff is here, and we're going to have samples of, you know, playing MP3 audio, of playing old-school audio, of hooking up USB devices. Uh, hopefully we'll be showing off all kinds of stuff like this at the Cocoa Fest. Oh, oh. what's that, John? This is the uh, USB MIDI with two of the chips on it now. Uh, mm -hmm. Still got to play with the software. So I, I was able to do that actually uh, after the demo last week. On the weekend, I added a second chip, 
So you can do two of those. I mean, you can expand that more if you want. The idea is you can take this, once you start to talk, either a MIDI, USB over MIDI, or something like that. This thing was very, very easy to put together. Okay? Uh, I'm borrowing Alan's sound code. Uh, there's MIDI stuff uh, for the Teensy. You know, drop that on, and boom, you know, I was, this was running so fast, and as a MIDI device, you know, I was, like, surprised. Hmm. I was like, okay, maybe this isn't hard enough to be fun. Yeah, and and keep in mind, the stuff that we're doing, the thing that I held up was a, a spaghetti factory of wires. But, you know, I've got a 90-cent uh, serial port on one end and a little wires that just kind of plug in over the pins that go to pins on this little uh, Internet chip. I mean, this is the... the this is what I had to do to get this running. I didn't have to solder. I didn't have to cut wires. Um, there's so much hardware out today that can be hooked up very, very simply. And we, you know, I think I think we've got a lot of stuff going on right now, and we will get there. I want to make sure that Nick has some of these parts so he can play with the stuff too. And um, you know, we just got to start doing it. We're we're missing the people that will actually do it. So the more simple stuff we can do. Where if you can plug in two wires, you can now do it. I think that's going to lead to a lot of uh, a lot of interesting things in 2018. And the low well, cost of the parts to start with. Mm. Oh yeah. What are some of the other computer guys doing, like uh, Commodore, and do they have these same kind of things going on, or are they way far behind us? Beyond us? They've already got a sound chip in them. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah they've they got a. They've got. They've got these little modules that plug into the back of various Commodores. The firmware we're running is from the Commodore guys, but their module is $54. Um, you know, you can you can build this and hook it up to the Bitbanger for like $5. Hmm. It just doesn't have a nice case. Yeah, I saw hey, a really cool... I saw the Chameleon for the Commodore 64 today. That's a neat device, but that's... He said the thing he bought it for $280 or something, but it does everything. Um, all right. How about we take a? How about we put a cork in the um, in the uh, sound card talk for just a second? I want to get to some of the people who have been talking in the live chat here for just a second. But this is going back a bit. But when we first started talking about sound cards, um, Ken in the live chat said we should hold a sound card death match at Coco Fest. Let's get ready to rumble, right? <laughs> so. Um, and where else? Where did I go? I'm losing on my scrolling here. Uh, yeah, the problem with standards are there are so many to choose from. <laughs> uh, and then Jim Brain had said, you know, if, if it were easy to interface to pick with the Coco, we would have done it already. Um, when, uh, well, it is, I guess. <laughs> oh, it's, trust me, it's real easy. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, Bruce Moore was saying if only the sound chip went in the multi-pack, I would have bought it already. Um, uh, James Ross says, a new motherboard. That would fit in either Coco 3 or 2 case with all this stuff directly on it. That would be kind of cool, right? Uh, <laughs> and then Jim says, let's have a Coco SDC multi-pack quad port RS-232 Wi-Fi slash Bluetooth device. <laughs> I mean, why, why, why stop your wishing there, right? Um, Steve Powell Just, says... I, I got to interrupt you there. <laughs> Don't these guys... Do not. Do not start thinking they're going to be able to surf the web with their Coco. Right, right, right. Just don't don't go down that road. It won't happen. Right. 
Uh, Steve Powell is asking the question, when do you cross the line of no longer retro? Because it seems like some of these things, when you start talking about adding a 68,000 processor, that could definitely do it. Um, Bruce Moore well, is asking saying, about the dual 6809 board, if that's something that is going on. Um, <laughs> Richard Lorbieski says the SDC needs more cowbell. <laughs> <laughs> And then Brian Joy says, we need a hardware dream team. It sounds like we've got a partial hardware dream team going on right now with the, yeah, the people in the call. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, so right now we have to look at what we have and who's going to do what with what we have based on the current sound stuff and things down the road like Sir Sound and the uh, MP3 players and stuff. So it'll be interesting. Well, one thing that's cool is um, every time um, – any one of these guys start producing st stuff and it gets posted and then if you want it you start buying it just like the sdc and it mm -hmm. becomes popular and bam right right, right we right. have something okay and, you know, the different products for different uses okay uh i did the midi thing because i want to be able to take a file from alan he sends me in midi and be able to hear it immediately without converting it to run along like the game master Mm -hmm. uh, and so for me, it's a development tool. But that same development tool for somebody who does music, you know, a, a MIDI USB to the sound, that can be for other systems too, you know. Yeah. The SDC was a, a needed hardware add-on. The life of floppy disks was going to die off soon. And, and the availability. Yeah, and the convenience of having your files on an SD was an obvious thing. It was happening on all the other computers. So the SDC was an obvious success story. It was a success story before it even became a reality. It, it was just clear that it was going to kick off. So now you're looking at over 500 have been sold. So there mm -hmm. it is. Yeah, yeah. All right, so what other segments well, do we still have to go over tonight? Do we have a Why Did Tandy Do That segment? Uh, we do, but might take a while. Okay, what about and then ease of use. Uh, and then we have, a, we have we have an ease of use update, and a David Ladd has something he wants to talk about too. Yes. Because right, we are we are we are we are almost at three hours right now, and we haven't scratched the surface of the show. So how about we take a commercial break? And what do we want to do next? You want to do an ease of use update after the break? Oh, we can. That's not that's not a big update on ease of use, but okay. And then David Ladd, you got something for us too. Yeah, it's that the one item that I've got is just a, a quickie. It's kind of related to Alan's uh, RS-232 ESP device stuff, but I okay. went a different way. So. <laughs> All right, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to run like maybe two commercials so everybody has time to take a quick potty break because this is, this is a three-hour show. I knew this was going to be a marathon. As long as everybody's on, on the train and nobody's wanting to jump off and commit suicide right now, we'll keep it going. But how about, <laughs> how about, we, um, how about we take a break and then we're going to switch topics because we got a lot to cover tonight. So we'll be back in a couple minutes, folks. Thanks for sticking around with us. Hey, have you got your Coco 3 yet? Hi, this is Rick Adams, author of Temple of Rom at Shanghai, and you've tuned into Coco Talk, the nation's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. 
What's going on everybody, the original gamer Stevie Stro here and I want to talk to you about Amacoconut.com. If you love the color computer like I love the color computer, then you gotta visit Amacoconut.com, your one-stop shop for all of your Tandy color computer links needs. There you'll find links to blogs and podcasts and project sites and emulators and downloads and groups and communities. If you love the color computer, head on over to Amacoconut.com, that's I-M-A, Coconut.com, tell them the original gamer Stevie Stro sent you. Coco forever, people. the bravest souls enter, only the most cunning return. Defeat innumerable monsters to ransom the king's scepter, stolen by the evil wizard. Your sword, shield, and wits are your only allies. Pray you find a magical inn as your only respite in the forest of doom. Tandy color computer one, two, and three. November 2017, if you dare. What's going on, everybody? Stevie Stroh, and I want to say thank you for continuing to watch and listen to Coco Talk. We love doing this show. We think we put together a pretty good show for you, but this show could be better with your help so if you would like to send a feedback a comment a suggestion a show topic or maybe even your own little segment or bumper then send it to us via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live this show would be nothing without you love to hear i will be coming right back after this all right and we are back Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> <laughs> we are back. Oh All right, my who keeps God. doing that? <laughs> that's Richard Lorbieski. You need to put him on the payroll. Yeah, that's to, Troll uh, Jr. <laughs> Troll Jr. He is uh, Jim Brain's mini-me. Uh, <laughs> All right, so we are going to. I this is a professional show here, so we've got a very important uh, little um, introductory piece here. Where the hell did it go? Here we go. All right, so we're about ready to hear from Curtis Boyle and David Ladd, but first, this. It is time for Tech Talk with David Ladd and Curtis Boyle. Take it away, Tech Dudes. All right, so here we go. We got the speech sound pack to lead you in. So, David and Curtis, woe us with your tech knowledge. You want to start, Dave? Well, um, you want me to start with my short uh, serial thing? Well, if you're going to do that, I have I have a different intro for you for that one. So hold on one second here. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the drinking game ready. What if, knowing what I know now, <laughs> misfire, misfire. Hit it. <laughs> All right, go ahead, David. <laughs> Jeez. I was going to say, my coat exploding. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that's more like Curtis. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let me see here if I can get the stupid camera to switch to my video input. Come here. Come on. All right. Is that thing working? Yeah. All right. Yep. There we go. All right. So as you can Hang see on. here, this is the SDC. And I've got, if you look at drive zero, it said it's it set at drive wire, right? Mm -hmm. So um, if I do a dir, I get garbage, which is for OS 9. Okay. Um, now, when I type DOS, as okay. you can see, I'm booting Nitrous 9. Okay. Now, I'm still using the Bitbanger port, like what Alan was discussing with the RS-232 stuff. Okay. But... I'm using the ESP chip to give me a TCP tunnel, basically using it as a Ethernet to serial bridge. And DriveWire is set in in uh, what's called TCP server mode, which is normally used with uh, the emulators. Well, I'm using that TCP server mode with the ESP8266 to give me that connection. And... I've got this wireless connection between the Coco and my Raspberry Pi, which is uh, on the other side of the room. Wow. So, yeah. And is that with the stock firmware on that module? Affirmative. You know what, David? You have single-handedly stopped the objection I've had against DriveWire ever since it came out because I have never had my computer near where my color computer was. Yeah, now we have yeah, wireless and, drive wire. And as you can see, it's pulling up a directory with the extended stuff, and it's not getting any read errors. Um, I still need to do some write tests, but normally if you're sending packets, it's if, if it's receiving the packet to tell it to give it data, it's, uh, it's got a reasonably good connection, and it's... Uh, I've been happy with this. Um, it's uh, um, so, but Alan's idea, I took in a different direction. Um, I've been wanting to do something like this. That's why I ordered the the um, unlike Alan's, which is using the ESP eighty two sixty six dash twelve E development boards. I'm using the ESP eighty two sixty six dash zero ones which is just basically a transmit-receive ground volt, uh, voltage um, and the enable and reset lines. So it's just, it's just a very simple device. So, and since the Bitbanger doesn't use anything other than really transmit and receive for drive wire, there we go. Boom. Oh. So... Otherwise, I, I was happy with that. <laughs> I can think of three words that summarize that. Ease of use. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone can do it. Yeah, that's cool. That's very cool. Okay, so moving we, on. We've got Wi-Fi Coco. Wi-Fi Coco to drive wire. So now, um, Curtis, you want me to show the uh, Nitrous 9 Level 1 stuff that we've been working on? Yeah, I wouldn't really classify this as ease of use. Ease of use is the level two project. Um, 
which I have done some stuff. I mean, towels installed. Nick's applied a, an icon that'll be added in. I've got uh, decode installed now, though there's a couple of bugs we found recently that Wayne, when he gets free time, is going to try to fix, hopefully before we actually do the full release. And uh, I've been doing some specking on some other changes I'll be doing to G-Shell and stuff, too, to expand its capabilities. Hey, Curtis, uh, can yep. you say that bit uh, where, about me, what, what I did? <laughs> he, he designed an icon, again. For uh, OS 9. Make Twice sure you now. Say, Twice now he's done that's that. That's right. Nick. Apparently, my icon, icon wasn't good enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. And it wasn't family-friendly, anyway. That's a, this is level 1 OS 9? Ooh, no, no. That, the easy use project is level two. What Dave and I will be talking about today for the Tech Talk segment is level one because um, was it Rogelio, I think, on the list found that some of the graphics commands for level one weren't working at all. Even the stuff that worked on the stock level one when you bought it from Radio Shack, like you know, drawing circles and lines and clearing the screens, none of this stuff was working. In fact, it would crash. So we started looking into it, and yeah, there's, there were some pretty serious bugs. So Dave and I have been the last, what, two weeks? Yeah, I'd say two weeks. Besides yeah, the purring kitty. Yeah, <laughs> the Coco cat is very happy right now. Dynamic yes, duo. It's not me. <laughs> so basically, we've been, we've been fixing bugs. Um, we fixed that bug. It was some problems with the way Grafter was handled um, for linking to it, etc. Um, and then we fixed another bug. There was a getstat ssready call, which is supposed to... If you call this on uh, path zero, which is your standard input from the keyboard, it's supposed to tell you how many keys are in the keyboard type ahead buffer. So if you've been busy you know, printing stuff on the screen and somebody's typed in five keys, you do this call, it would say you have five keys, we're ready to go. And that was broke too. It was returning zero no matter what. Um, so that's been fixed now as well. I don't know how long that bug's been there. And then we've been doing some minor tweaks and optimizations. Most of it's been to shrink the code to make some room for some other stuff we want to add in. And then just today, we uh, got a bit of a stack blast for clearing the high-res graphics screen, well, high-res for Cocoa 1 and 2, uh, people 3 or 4 equivalents, basically, uh, using a stack blast, which Dave says is noticeably faster, though I haven't actually seen an action yet myself since I gave him the code, so I don't know how much faster. Well, unfortunately, I only have one disk image available at a time because the fact that it gets replaced, but um, I can screen share the... Let me see here. Where is that? There we go. Start share. All right. Can everybody see it? Yep. Yep. Okay. So here's our nice, pretty level one. And I'm waiting for Nick to make a comment. <laughs> 32 columns. Wow. Cheers, everybody. Okay. All right, so he, I don't know why I keep doing slash. Um, so here's the example program, well, not program, display commands that will be used for generating. And this is just to clear the screen because I want to show how fast the uh, um, clear screen is with Curtis's mini stack blast. So here we go. I don't know if you saw the flickering. Yeah, that's it, fl it flicked very black, blue. fast. Blue and black. black. Yeah. Black, blue. Yep. yep. And then uh, here is the uh, P mode 4, which is black and white. Mm -hmm. uh, let me see if I can do 
hard to do this blind. Okay, maybe it didn't like that. <laughs> what are we seeing? What is the flicker? That's it. The it's, screen being cleared. It's flipping, clearing the screen two different colors, alternating. Yeah. This oh. is show how fast that the memory can be erased on the screen. Okay. And this is a P mode yeah. for high res screen, and it, it went by so fast you couldn't see it being drawn. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, but yeah, we did some minor optimizations to line and circle that are nowhere near as much as the clear screen. I'll be expanding that too. I'll be expanding to the text screen to clear it using the same method. I should be able to do a clear line because there's a command code in, in OS9. You can tell it to clear a line at a certain spot on the screen, which is good for adventure games and stuff. Um, and then I'll be doing it on the co-modules, which actually render a high-res graphic screen to do text. So you have like 42 by 24 or 51 by 24 fonts. And I'm going to be changing it so that uh, those clear lines and stuff like that will work on using Stack Blast for those as well. So there'll be some more speed increases coming for Coco 1, 2, and Dragon users. Neat. What's Display C do? Uh, that should be clear screen, isn't it? Yeah. Is it Display that? C. Yeah. One of the things I learned. <laughs> all display turning C. it on. That's a all standard on even on PCs and stuff too. So yeah, yeah. Display C is has been a standard for back since the PBS and and terminals back in early days. Actually, it's technically, like it's back from printers. Printer. It was to clear a page because it's a form feed, and that's they got mm -hmm. migrated to screens later. So that goes back to like the fifties and sixties, actually. Wow. But anyway, I got, we got a bit sidetracked from the OS9 Level 2 Ease of Use project because Rogelio had reported a pretty bad bug where all the graphics commands were not working. So then, you know, in my typical looking at the shiny new object fashion, I tend to do things. And <laughs> I got distracted with, well, while I'm in here fixing these things, why don't I optimize some stuff and maybe add a few <laughs> things? So so we're, we're, I'm just going to do the stack blast stuff and then clean up any other bugs we find. I get the co-modules on the same the page, and then I'm going to be back to the ease of use. You're going to put a new date at the top instead of 2014? Um, from what Tormod no. has told me and David, there is a new release of Nitrous 9 being planned. We're still trying to find out what his schedule is, and I'll try to cram in as many things as I can. And then some of the stuff we've been doing for the ease of use package will be in there too. Um, so I'm not sure when that exact release is. He said he wanted to do it soon. I don't know what soon exactly means. So, but uh, the copyright date your... might change. Yeah, I was going to say the copyright date... Sh probably won't change because usually um, one of the problems that you have is that if you change the copyright date to now then if you actually had it 10 or 15 years ago but then you set it today well if someone had changed your code and put it out um, a year after your copyright but then now that you've changed your copyright, theirs is the oldest, which means now they can claim they were the first. So technically, you don't want to keep changing your copyright. That's why well, most, he, pro, most people... They have changing usually, it, though. <clears throat> well, if, they probably shouldn't be. It should probably say from the original first copyright to, you know, copyright 19... You know, 90, whenever you and Bill and Wes did it, it should have probably been 1991 to the current release. Today, right, till to have a range. Yeah. 
Right, I, I agree with that. <clears throat> yeah, I don't right, know who so. controls that. Is that Tormod or, or I have no idea. Um, it's that's unfortunately Boise's no longer here, so it's um, one of those things that it's <laughs> it's hard to say who's got what at the moment. For are you guys, you got you guys going to do any Easter eggs? Um, I'm not going to add any more at this point, especially <laughs> level one. You don't have a lot of RAM to fiddle with. There's a few built in there already, so yeah. And and put and, your touch on it. Well, personally, now Bill and I did my, that years ago. <laughs> yeah, and personally, from my point of view, we're starting to do stuff that we need the program space for usable stuff. So Easter eggs would kind of crunch into usable stuff. Yeah. We want to make level one more enticing. Like the, the first phase is me doing some of these optimizations, bug fixes and stuff, you know, just getting it back up to snuff basically and, and speeding it up a bit for graphics. And then we want to do six through nine specific versions of them so that, you know, people that have said there's no use in having a six through nine and a Cocoa one, two or a dragon. Well, actually there will be not just native mode either. You'll get some speed increases beyond what, what Dave's just shown. Um, so we'll, we'll throw a few other things like that in there too. So, and I've got a, that's cool. I've got, I've got to fix, uh, to the graphics module that Basecode 9 uses for level 1, which is how you call graphics commands in English instead of having to memorize all those display codes. Like, you can put run graphics, you know, line, and, and give it coordinates. Uh, for some reason, and this goes back to the Tandy, because I actually pulled out the old manual, and it's there, too. They have uh, function commands for, you know, circle and line and point and clear screen and all that kind of stuff. And they also have flood fill, which is paint, if you remember from Desk Extended Basic. For some reason, the GFX basic module does not have flood fill or paint in it at all. Not named differently or not just not there. So there's no easy way in English to do a, a paint command. So I'll be adding that in. I don't know why it's missing. I don't understand. But it's been missing since day one, 1983 from Tandy. Hmm. John Linville just chimed in the live chat. He says, copyright on Nitrous 9 is questionable in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> Um, cool. Are you done with your with your screen there, David? Do you have more to show us? Oh, sorry. It's okay. Just turn off screen share. There you go. Um, now that's cool. Uh, so level one's getting some some bug fixes, and bug fixes are always good. Yeah, and then speed enhancements. Yep. Yep. Stack blasting. Very cool. What else you got for us? Well, from my end, I already showed the the Bitbanger drive wire stuff through the Wi-Fi. <laughs> right. So yeah. That was all I really had right now. Yep. Yep. That yeah. was I got one thing to add, and this just happened last night. We were going through the code because uh, we've been optimizing, and one of the things that you do is when you shrink the code a bit, some long branches and some pointers using the load effective address instructions can go from 16-bit to 8-bit or for the load effective even from 8 to 5, if it's a short enough range it's trying to look ahead or behind. And um, the old ASM assembler in OS 9 used to give you a warning flag telling you, you know, this is, you're using a 16-bit offset, it could be an 8, which is both smaller and faster. So if you want to optimize, you want to know that. LWASM did not have that functionality in it, so you'd have to try to hunt them down by hand looking at the raw bytecode stream to see where you could have you know, shortened something up. We were discussing that on Discord last night, and William Asso, the author of... LW tools and LWSM actually added that feature while we were talking. Wow. And it's now officially on the repository and we actually used it last night and tested it. So I think David, you found a couple of branches you were able to shrink and graph just right when we were working on it last night. Yes. 
So that's that's going to be nice for anybody who wants to do optimized code using the cross-assembler tools. Uh, that's going to be really handy for doing that kind of thing. That's amazing. Hmm. I'm smart enough to know to know that that's a good thing, even though I don't know how to use it. <laughs> I'm with you, bud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's one thing I like about our community, especially those that have been moving to voicing on Discord and chatting, mm -hmm. that we've been sitting there discussing things and like what William did. It's like, well, it would be nice if this had this. Hmm, let me think about that. And does it while you're still working on stuff. Right. So, or Jim, you know, it's like, you know, you throw out an idea and it's like, well, it'd be nice if something like this was available. Hmm, well, does this match what you want? And it's like, holy crap, that was fast. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Wow. So, it's just, you know, that's... Um, uh, us as a community, when we're in an area where it seems, and, you know, it was good of Steve to keep pushing Discord, it seems like more and more of us are getting there and discussing stuff together, well, live. What's the difference between you guys now and then back in, the, you know, 86, 84, you know, when, when you guys are learning the Cocoa, was, was it that um, it was beyond you to a degree or, you know? What's the big difference, would you guys say? I, I would say knowledge of the hardware and how the chips work. Um, mm -hmm. we, we have a lot more fine point tuning knowledge of how everything works and tricks like, you know, Stack Blast for using for doing a memory copy or a memory clear wasn't blatantly obvious from looking at something that just pushes and pulls to a stack, for example. You had to think about, you know, what, what is the command doing? How many cycles does it take? Hey, wait a sec. This is twice as fast as doing it the normal way. So it's just a, a knowledge of the machine and, and, and sharing this knowledge between all the various people, both hardware and software, uh, that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You don't have to rediscover all this stuff yourself if you're just getting back into it. You have this big wealth of knowledge sitting there available for you, and you have people that you can live ask you know, for help yeah. if you think of something. That's there's the also, big difference. There's also oh, not a big profit exactly. motive, unlike you know, 30 years ago. You know, People are doing this for it's a passion, not so much to make a living at. Hey, when I was working at Datasoft, if I let out some of my techniques, I would be sure in a hell of a lot of trouble. I could be fired. And trade would you be shamed or is it? I'd be fired. Money? Oh. I'd be fired. Oh, so yeah. what you actually released to us uh, back in the CocoaFast days, uh, to me and Curtis, about the stack blasting should have been not said? <laughs> uh, well, actually, by that time, I was working for myself. Oh, okay. Well, when I was a data soft, I was under a lot of restrictions. Yeah, yeah it's, it's basically like trademark. Like, how do, how does the code, how does the, the spaghetti work underneath the, the sauce type thing? It's uh... Right. Hey, I want to switch gears for one second because Javier, who was in our call sh a little while ago, he just posted some pictures from our uh, club meeting today. So I want to I want to switch over and show you. Um uh, some a handful of the pictures. So this little contraption here, I was telling you guys about on the Discord call. So this is a little thing this guy um, Stewart had set up where you could prevent yourself from blowing up an untested retro machine by 
this little light switch and this little outlet here. He's got it where if you put in a 150 watt light bulb, the way he set up this, this outlet, where the bottom outlet would not draw more than the 150 watts from that light bulb. So you could use that light bulb as basically a voltage limiter as far as what went into the power supply. And it was like a $5 DIY project to do this. So um, I just thought that was a kind of a cool idea. I, I don't know a whole lot about electricity and electronics and stuff, but it just yeah, so it sounded really cool. Yeah, we actually use that at work with our 480 thing. What the advantage is is that the wattage or the power gets pulled into the light bulb itself because uh -huh. uh, we have three bulbs. Uh, mm -hmm. And the other thing is you know immediately if those things are you know, really, really bright, bright there is a short. So okay. you can immediately turn it off without damaging anything. Okay. So it's a really good indicator. Plus most of that, uh, the amperage goes to the light bulb itself. Yeah, so it just seemed it just seemed like a neat little thing um, that to do to possibly prevent yourself from blowing up a you know a, a computer. Um, Isn't that the appliance controller thing? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, this is the back of me showing off some cocoa. Or at least there's there's Popstar Pilot on the screen. Yeah, I guess showed off some of the new cartridges and had Popstar Pilot. I had Forest of Doom and Timberman. So I was showing the different ways we can do software now from. You know, disk images to SD cards to cartridges and stuff. I showed off the Coco SDC. Um, this guy over here, I think it was, I think his name was Rob. Uh, that's the guy who, who had the Commodore stuff. Um, so this was. It looks like Rob was questioning your your play your ability to play games too, just like we do. <laughs> what the heck is wrong with you? Why are you doing that? <laughs> so here was the pet computer, and I thought this was really neat that this thing opened up like the hood of a car. You know, um, so that Does was really neat. Stick. It yeah. Yeah. Up. Yeah, that stick that holds it up. It's inside yeah. the case. Yeah. Where do you put the oil in? <laughs> There's a dipstick in there somewhere, right? There's so, smoke that, in there? <laughs> that was pretty cool to see the pet. Uh, look, I see I brought an MC-10. See? Ah. Look at that. Look at that, okay. MC-10. Um, there's a memory upgrade that looks very much like Jim Brain's um, Coco Mem Jr. It goes in line with the CPU, and it adds more RAM to the pet. So um, that was pretty neat to see that. Uh, this was uh, this was the Commodore 64C. Yep. With the pet with, black and white. Yes, it was monochrome, black and white. There was a black and white version and a green uh, green screen version. Oh. Um, which I learned today on the presentation. This is that chameleon board. It was really neat. Um, it has VGA out. It's got all kinds of inputs and outputs. It's got an extra SID on there. It's got some type of FPGA emulation where you can run like other things on it and stuff too. So that was kind of cool to see that set up. Um, this was a hard drive he has for the uh, Commodore. It's um, running a SCSI hard drive inside that box. So that's still like a real physical hard drive. Um, so, yeah, a couple of the pictures there from the club meeting. Let me see if anything else uh, showed up on the page since then. Um, but, yeah, it was a pretty cool little thing. to. How do I get – I can never figure that out, how to get out of a full screen on Facebook. So, yeah, I think that's it for now, but hopefully more pictures will be showing up. So I'll be happy to share those with you. And I, I took a lot of video, which I hopefully will be able to um, get get posted tomorrow sometime during the during the day. Um, so Tim Lindner has been here very patient, very quiet this whole time. Uh, we appreciate you being here, Tim. Is there any, anything you'd like to say or share or chime in on? Well, have I, uh, can you hear me? 
Yeah, we can hear yep. you. Yep. As I've been listening to everybody's wonderful conversation, I've just been working on MAME. I've been uh, looking into the uh, RS-232 Deluxe Pack and the DC Modem Pack. Turns out they were just stub drivers uh, that really didn't do anything, so I'm fleshing them out to make them fully functional. Oh, hmm. awesome. Are, are you going to be able to fix the debugger, too? or? That's uh, a project for another day. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'd be yes, then. I, I'd really like to add to the debugger some more um, uh, symbols. Um, uh, when when people put together drivers, uh, they add names to every little bits and piece of you know the emulated hardware, and it would be nice to be able to access those bits and pieces via their names, um, and even have access to some internal states to some of the chips that you you wouldn't normally have access to in a in a real life debugger. Hmm. Yeah, because right now the debugger actually crashes. Now that I don't know, um, I'd, I'll have to test that. Yeah. Yeah, David Tim. submitted a bug report for it, so. Yeah, Tim. The other thing that uh, Curtis told me about some of the nifty little tricks that the 6809 does in regards to um, how you can tell if you're you can set code up so that you can test if you're on a 6809 or a 6309 by using 6309 instructions on a 6809, and if they throw away the the one zero part of the um, instruction, then it will process the uh, next part of the instruction. And I found out that uh, the 6809 core in MAME throws away the whole entire block. Oh, well, oops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, oops. That's the clear deed, the clear, uh, clear uh, deed trick, oops. so. Yeah, so. Um, so I've been meaning to sit down and go through and test with a real 6809 some of the 6309 other 6309 instructions, like the clear, um, what is it, the clear E or clear W that basically is like a clear B with, you know, it's a, yeah, so I am want to go through and see what other in all instructions are skipped and and processed correctly on a 6809 and then test those in all the emulators that I've been working with to see which ones pass and which ones fail. Well, hold on. I yeah. think I've, I think I've got a little video piece just for that. <laughs> oh, here oh. we go. <laughs> here. He broke that it is. already. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I'm Steve is hole. laughing. See, now he's breaking It's going to be the Coco Forever ad again. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Get it. What is, is that? It's a hard drive. That was one of my source listings I sent him that he shot a hole through. <laughs> yes, I did actually do that too, didn't I? <laughs> Several times. Uh, Several times. Wait, Curtis, well, what can you say? You've been teaching me how to catch your issues. Well, it just shows how rusty I've gotten, too, since you know not doing Nitrosign actively for 15 years. And you're even able well, to convert it back from... Uh, you're able to convert his code from metric back to U.S., too? <laughs> Otherwise, it crashes into Mars. So. <laughs> you guys must have some wild dreams. 
Um, <laughs> you don't want to know. One of the things you guys <laughs> pointed out, you know, we talk about um, Discord and Skype and how it's really um, ha- ha- helping things happen in, you know, real close to real time. A lot of examples of that have happened. Um, you know, when we started, before we switched over to Discord and we were in the Skype group, it was these conversations we had in Skype that really got Rick Adams to do um, Bomb Threat. And so yep. just that uh, knowledge sharing and encouragement got Bomb Threat launched and, and, and you know, delivered. Um, when, when I was testing Bomb Threat and I was testing it in XROR because I wanted to see would it run on a dragon and things like that, I was noticing that there was some DAC noise pollution that was going on where I could hear the joystick when nothing was going on. I mentioned it to Karen. Um, who is the guy who makes uh, the XROR emulator, and he did some checking, and he found out that there was something that needed to be fixed, and then he fixed XROR very quickly and turned around and gave me the release for it right away. And then I tested it again, and that you know that static noise went away. Um, you know, you're talking about how William Assel just fixed the LW tools and the LW assembler. So it's kind of cool when you have like direct access, and you can pretty much almost push the button or you have access to the person who can push the button to make yep. something happen, and these things just get turned around. Um, it's definitely a testament to the community, um, which is yeah. very cool. Back in the day, and I mean, back in the 80s, I mean, it used to be you had to post a message on CompuServe, and then you might wait 24, 48 hours or longer, depending on the person's schedule, to get an answer back. So this this immediate discussion, like Steve Bjork has mentioned, yeah. you know, you just pop into Discord, and you can get feedback instantly, and then you can actually hash out ideas in real time. Oh, yeah. Or they could be on Delphi, so you'd have to have a Delphi account. Well, <laughs> work, yeah. you know, it wasn't just the fact that you had to wait around on CompuServe for them to do it. They're charging you 12 bucks an hour to you do have it. To sit on there, yeah. Yeah. Ron Unless Klein, you had accounts. Um, had but... Ron Klein had me on uh, Discord, and uh, he had me download a program called, uh, uh, what is it, Peep or something like that or something. Anyway. I was, he was able to go through, uh, I was able to show him my desktop and I went through my network to the Pi and um, he told me what to put in. He would uh, post things for me to copy and paste and, and he showed me exactly what to do and uh, it was just really awesome. real time text oh, yeah. My brain was Here. like going to explode. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Discord also has screen sharing too. If you were in a if you were in a direct call with just him, you could have shared your screen through Discord, similar to what we do in Skype. Mm-hmm. Yeah, David and I were using that a lot for the testing of the yeah. OS nine level one patches. Yeah, it works good. Yeah, yeah I was going to ask how you guys keep the channels clear, and I, I I can't believe how many channels there are in Discord, and I'm having trouble keeping up. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, the thing is, is I know some people said that there's too many but then again there's people that keep going well i want a channel for this can we yeah, have one yeah yeah so it's yeah. like people are asking for more channels so we're needing to make more yes so, well we're, well, we're just I trying actually, we're just trying to I, divide the community yeah here we go <laughs> I actually just well the i think the idea behind the channel was to keep topics in the right place but a topic creep seems to happen in any of these channels well, it's not so. the way human conversation works, <laughs> i know exactly so, I mean, no i get it. it it never will be perfect yes yes so um 
But ironically, there's a general, for general discussions, there's an off-topic, and yet we seem to get off-topic no matter what what channel you, you we're st- in. So. <laughs> you still need to add the channel called uh, Curtis is Typing Because His Girlfriend is Sleeping channel, so that when uh, he has live conversations, <laughs> they know what the hell I'm talking about. Uh, don't, don't, Curtis, don't worry. I'll, Curtis, you're an admin. You can do it yourself. Nah, I got too much other stuff on my plate. He's going to delegate. Add a few more mouse clicks to my schedule here. <laughs> oh, so Ken Ken is saying that some of us didn't even have a local number, um, so you'd have to yeah. add add long distance long onto distance. that. When, yeah. <laughs> the hourly call. At the beginning, I had to do that too. I had to call Regina to get onto. It was a data data pack, which then got onto a United States service, which then got onto CompuServe, and they all had their own surcharges. So it was like twenty five to thirty bucks an hour. Wow, yeah. it's ridiculous. Plus long distance. And that was 1980s dollars. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, back in the days of CompuServe, I found that people were extremely nasty at times. Some and, I think it, and I think that's because they were the people that were paying the most per hour. Maybe. Oh, I, I should have been an absolute, absolute bastard then because uh, with all the yeah, Canadian right? virtual. No, 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 no. You're Canadian. You can't be that way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you haven't heard him after dark then. <laughs> Are we going to have a Cocoa Talk after dark tonight? No. Yeah. yeah the, the, yes. The yes, after yes. show. When are we going to squeeze that in? Yeah, right. We just uh, turn this off and turn it back on again. Yeah, we're pushing midnight over here for me. Um, we still have to go over some news, so I want to go over a few things that have occurred in the Facebook group this week. So, how about we take one more? And does anybody need a potty break or just a brief commercial break? Or you want like a minute commercial break? How are we feeling? How are, I'm good with a brief one. Sure. Brief one. So we'll just run one quick commercial, and we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Kieran Anscombe, author of Xraw, and your brain is resolving sensory input into Coco Talk. Every day. Okay, maybe not completely quick break. Abandoned or abused. They live in the dark recesses of garages, basements, storage sheds, barns, and attics, waiting for someone to help. Hi, I'm Helen Bleedingheart. Please say you'll be the answer for Coco suffering the effects of extreme temperature overexposure to ultraviolet light, and conditions unfit for electronics. These Cocos need your help. Please call 888-6883 or go online and join the Color Computer Preservation Society with a monthly gift right now. For just $18 a month, you can rescue Cocos from their abusive environments, provide repair of damaged parts, administer retro-bright treatments, and most of all, provide love. Call or sign up online in the next 30 minutes, and we'll send you a photo of a cocoa being lovingly reconditioned by the CCPS. And you'll receive this beautiful tote bag that declares, I saved a cocoa. Yours for your generous, perpetual monthly gift. This is your chance to say, I won't sit by while a cocoa is wasting away. Please, won't you call or go online right now? That was actually the lovely and talented Joe Rowe, Myro's wife, who does that. 
Um, so we're here. We are in. We're we're rolling up into hour four of this marathon. We still have with us on the call Grant Leedy, Lord Curtis Boyle, Bill Noble, Ron Delvo, Alan Huffman, Richard Lorbieski, John Strong, Coco Man, Steve Bjork, Tim Lindner, Mark Overholzer, and David Ladd. So we've had we've had a pretty full packed panel this evening. We've had a pretty full full packed um, audience. Still, we we got up to about 20 live viewers. We're still around 16 live viewers right now. So thanks for sticking with us on this uh, train, this runaway train here. Um, before we get into the news, I do want to show you guys real quick. I have to find, and we didn't talk, we haven't talked about Cocoa Fest or our Tandy Assembly, which we'll get into in our new segment, but our good friend, Simon Jonason, the madman, and this is kind of what's, what's, um, kind of sparked the troll talk last week, if you recall, but he's, Simon's working on one of his demos that got trolled on. Here is the latest version of that demo, which I am only allowed to show you. 30 seconds of per Simon's request, which I will honor. But are you guys ready? Oops, I have Skype muted. I can't hear you. Hold on one second. Hold on. Where the hell is my... Sorry about that. Skype was muted. All right, you guys ready for this? Yep. Mm -hmm. Now, we've got 30 seconds, but it hasn't started yet. So now, starting 30 seconds now. All right, so that's that's the thirty seconds right there. So pretty cool stuff, right? For 1987. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. That's kind of nice. Is that Cocoa on Acid? Cocoa on Acid, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> um, all right, real quick, before we get into the news from Facebook. Uh, so the Glenside Color Computer Club, Glenside CCC, right? So this is where we all know the hosts of Cocoa Fest. We know we've got a pretty long list of attending right now. So this is this long list of attendees continues to grow. Our event lineup uh, is going on to the point now for, okay, so Saturday we have the show opens at 9 with the National Anthem. At 9.30 there is a booth tour, which is new. This came up on one of our little discussions. Lightning talks where everybody's going to be able to talk about what their booth or project is about. Jim O'Keefe is going to talk about programming and forth. We've got a lunch and club meeting. John Strong is going to talk about video game development. Steve Bjork is going to be speaking at 2 p.m. And so how long has it been since you've been to a Cocoa Fest, Steve? Oh, it's been a decade or more. Okay. So uh, after a long hiatus, uh, Steve Bjork will be returning to Cocoa Fest. Now, this has been the topic of, of great debate, but we're going to have an award ceremony, and it's been somewhat uh, committee-driven, somewhat community-driven. But, um, yep, so awards will be given. Um, the no minimum bid auction. This is this is like the penny stock version of eBay, where you can get good stuff really cheap. Um, trivia contest, chit chat, hangout, and musical jam will all happen Saturday. Again, Sunday we're going to start off with the uh, national anthems. 
we have a to be determined 9:30 a.m. talk. I've just discovered that we are going to have a Coco Talk live for 45 minutes Sunday at 10:30 a.m., which I had actually requested to graciously not want to take up any valuable time, but they've given us some time. Um, and so what I'm hoping that we can do for that Coco Talk is not have it be a panel discussion, but more have it be a group discussion. And I'd love to just to have the people who came out to the club tell us, you know, where you're from. And what brought you here? What did you like about Coco Fest? So really just kind of capture the spirit of who's there and what they like about being there. So um, that's kind of what I'm hoping we can focus on and point to cameras at the room and not at uh, a few people sitting on the stage. Um, uh, uh, a working lunch, Glenside meeting, Sunday auction, and then we close up the show. And then an off-site dinner. Don't forget to touch the heron. So so the Coco Fest is shaping up. What are we? We're now we are towards the end of... February right now, so we've only got about a month. Two months. Two, Two months. months yeah, so it's getting close. So um, I I dog-eared a handful of um, of articles, um, and so one of the one of the ones just came up new today, which was uh, okay. Ed Snyder talking about um, a new run on the on the. Uh, the mini multi-pack and we got to see john show us how he made some of these cases recently on one of our after darks so yes yeah, so this is the mini multi-pack that's the board and as as noted there's room to put a sound card a sound chip on here somewhere if that was an option um but yeah it's a neat looking board here's the case that john strong produces for the mini multi-pack and um that's the the feet for it and there's there's the case Oh, wow, and there's a bunch of them. So he's got an assembly line going of mini MPIs. So that's kind of cool. Uh, has anybody got one of these? Yeah, I do. Yeah? Work good? Yeah, I've got one too. Yeah? Yeah, they work great. They, it works awesome. So that that is uh, it's a neat thing. So for the people who need, you know, if you need a partial multi-pack and you don't need four things, this is this is an option because getting real multi packs they're they're kind of hard to find in the wild, right? They're, Does they're it hard. have a uh, power supply that goes with it, or yes, do you need yes, one? yes, yeah, it's got a it, power supply. Yeah, it's like got a, a how many volts volt. is it? Yeah, it's a little five volt. Okay. Uh, Actually, it's seven, I believe. It comes with it. Yes, yes. Yep. Yeah, yep. Com- it packs everything in there, even the an extension on the actual power cord. If you have to go over six feet. Neat. So that was kind of cool. This one we got, this was the announcement too, which is um, the latest distribution of, of retro ply of retro pies here. Um, and you can get it from, you can get retro pie from, uh, from I'm a coconut.com. So if you go to downloads, it's there, it's hosted at a couple different places. I've got links to all the places where it's hosted. Uh, I'm, I'm a coconut.com. This is, um, uh, Ron Delvaux's little picture of the uh, the raspberry bursting out of the cocoa screen. That's kind of cool, right? So the logo for Retro Pie, uh, Cocoa Pie. So that is pretty cool. That was announced just recently. Uh, this one is cool. And, and I guess not everybody got to see this, right? So this is going to be kind of cool to show. Um, big screen here. But this is the the theme to Draconian as played by Rock and Roll Guitars by one of our Coco. One of my favorite games.
Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, it was still one of my favorite games. Mr. Dracastar 2010. That's been floating around on YouTube for a while. He just posted that on Facebook this week. Um, his, his tribute to Draconian. And I thought that was pretty cool. And so he's Chris X on here. And on on YouTube, he's uh, Chris Six. Yeah, is uh, is his name. This one I thought was kind of cool too. Travis Pope uh, posted a picture. Uh, I'm thinking, is this him? This yeah, was a picture himself, of Travis. Yeah. yeah. So he took a baby picture and kind of digitized it into the cocoa. So I thought that was pretty cool. And then um, this this was an interesting article, which we'll try to give you the Cliff Notes version of. But this guy here, Mark Farrell, was he part of the Glenside um, IDE controller? Is this what he's talking about here? Yes. Yep. That's okay. exactly what he's talking about. So he went through a very lengthy explanation of what it took to learn how to communicate with the different drives and how he had to work on the driver for OS 9 and and a bunch of stuff. So it's a little bit technical, um, but I thought it was really interesting. I'm not a super tech guy, but I enjoyed reading it. Um, but he got this is more David Ladspeed here, getting into sectors and bytes and stuff like that. So, um, but, but it was he just, said it was really fast, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he got uh, he got it 20 percent faster than SATA or SCSI driver, um, and in in the you know the 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 lengths he had to go through to get information on white papers and how these drives work and things like that was pretty interesting. And it just goes to show if somebody's tenacious enough and, and, and determined, they're going to get the information and get it done. Um, if you look at his second last paragraph there. Yeah. The, um, where is it here? I was in the process of validating the driver with a few more drives when I heard the second effort at a succeeding was being marketed to the community. That was mine. I didn't <laughs> even know he was working on it. Yeah. Well, like we, Carl Bull and a couple of the other people that did the hardware approached me because I guess Mike had gotten pretty busy with stuff and, yeah. and didn't really have time. So I kind of rushed out a, a version that did a lot of the same things he's mentioning. So I didn't even know the story. I didn't know he was working on it actively at yeah. the time until this came out. If only we had Discord back then. Yeah. <laughs> could have to bug it all faster between the two of us. Yeah. Yeah. So it was an interesting read. Um, I'm not going to try to read it all, but it's out there. It, this one's actually on the Glenside Facebook group. So Glenside has its own Facebook group, um, and that's where that got posted by Mark. Is it Farrell or Farrell? Do you know? I think it's Farrell, but I'm not positive. I, I haven't talked to him in years. <laughs> so but thought, it was an awesome read. Awesome read. Now, Richard Kelly had posted something, too. I, I just kind of saved a few of these. And what was Richard's questions here? Um, does anyone have a favorite Coco-related memory? And more than one memory. One of my favorites was where I was playing buzzard bait and my cat was on top of the TV. She was excited about the birds and she saw dashing back and forth and eventually she even tried to grab the bird with her paw. That's pretty funny. Uh, it sounds like something we'd expect to see on Mark Overholzer's video feed since he's always got that cat going on there. So uh, this one I say for David Ladd. So um, if you guys are familiar with the, um, the uh, what is it called, Floppy? Uh, Floppatron? Floppatron, yeah. So I'm playing Toto's Africa. Floppytron 2.0. I love seeing all those lights like that. 
I wonder I, if the lights did. Truth, I did. I did do a one voice system like that. Yeah. On my Arduino. And it actually worked pretty good. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Um, actually, but, I thought there was something on the Coco that actually did that to the floppy drives. Um, I don't remember what it was, but there's something that um, made some tune. short tunes. Yeah, I remember that too. Here's the Coco VGA in an MC10, which is just a neat proof of concept to show that it can be done. Um, this was Brendan Donahue. I don't remember which one. It was a Pacific Northwest that he went to, the Living Computer Museum. Um, so he's got the Coco VGA working on Dragons. He has it working on an MC10. So it's just kind of neat to see um, the product having a bigger life than it was even originally designed for. And other than the space, it just seems like this could be adapted to work in a lot of other systems than the initial, you know, form factor it was designed for. So I thought Especially that was on the pretty cool. so Go back to that picture for a second, Steve. Which one? Yeah. Yeah. Is that an actual Coco 2 on the, the very right-hand side? Here? Or is yeah. that a Coco 3? That two, looks two. like a Coco 2. That's what it was designed for originally. Coco yeah, VGA well, was designed that, for Coco. That background on the color on the keyboard looks like a Coco 3. Oh, the bezel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah gray instead of black. Just hmm. the light. Yeah. Well, I was gonna e say even, even if it was a Coco 3 keyboard, it will still work on a Coco 2. So True. Here's yeah, a closer picture of it. Yeah. Yes, that looks like here. a melty keyboard Coco 2. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was going to mention, oh, though, yeah, like right. the MC10, everybody was complaining that, you know, they screwed up the video memory because you can't access all your RAM for a P-Mode 3 or 4 screen. Mm. With the Coco VGA, you can get a 128 by 64 nine-color semi-graphics mode. That's pretty Even good. on the MC10, because that only takes 2K. So you can actually do some yeah. pretty decent graphics with that. Okay, I think we're getting beyond uh, Coco pictures now. But, yeah, I, yeah. Thought that, I thought that was pretty cool. I think the Coco VGA project is definitely a very cool project uh here's another picture of it um um on the dragon right so unless this is part of the same this look probably from the same event there's brendan so here's the coco vga running on a mc10 and on a dragon system so, so here's the dragon that's opened up right so um pretty cool little project there's brendan who's brendan's friend here david uh lindsley do you guys know david I can't say I do. Okay. Is nope. that the inside of the dragon right there? That's a dragon. Yeah. And so there's Lots your, of space. Yeah. There's your Coco VGA right there. It's neat. It's neat to see it. Uh, there it is now running on a dragon. Right? Cool stuff. I wish I had one. <laughs> a dragon or the VGA? <laughs> the dragon. Well, the dragon. He wants both. Right. And then here's uh, close to home here. Uh, uh, Jason's brother, Ken. Here's, here's Ken's website, Tandy Color Computer Basic Games I Published in My Youth. We had Ken on the show last week, so or whenever it was recently. And he's in the chat, too. He's in the chat, too. So, yeah. So, that was kind of cool seeing this. So, he, it's on Ken's website. He's posted this in, um, in the Facebook group. And, uh, uh, Jason, you mentioned you were um, bug testing or testing one of, his, uh, one of his adventure games, too. I'm working on I'm working on testing a a text adventure game he wrote uh, years ago. Uh, he sent me a, a bug a few bug fixes and uh, actually got it on there in the background uh, messing around with it. 
Yeah, very cool. So cool stuff. So yeah, that was some of the new stuff I had gathered this week. I don't know if you guys, there's anything else I missed. Now I mentioned to you guys, I'm not on the mailing list anymore. So if there's anything on the list you guys came across, you know, please feel free to share that with me or with us, with the show. So, um, well, there seems to be another troll going on in between C and basic. Hmm. <laughs> Can't we all just get along? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got to say, there was, I, I, and I, again, I was just, it's been such a long, crazy day. I didn't have a lot of time to prepare, prepare, prepare before the show, but I wanted to try to compile a lot of the feedback we got on, on last week's Troll Talk episode. So obviously that whole Troll post that had this a long thread and a lot of humor um, ensued from there. But, uh, you know, after posting that we talked about it on Coco Talk last week, we got a lot of feedback there too on trolling and stuff. And so um, I will try to get get those uh, compiled and maybe have ready to talk about next week. But, you know, we got a lot of good feedback on Troll Talk. And it was kind of neat because it was as it was happening, we were covering it. So it was like breaking news. This just in, there's a troll on Facebook. <laughs> we're going to go live via satellite. To, uh, <laughs> so it was, it was kind of cool. Speaking uh, of breaking news, uh, Tim Linder just posted on Discord that a patch for MAME uh, will be coming out tonight for the RS232 pack. Neat. Oh, did he actually fix it? <laughs> well, Tim's on the call, so he can answer that. I know. <laughs> there were stubs earlier. That's, that's what I'm asking. Did he actually fix it? Sorry, I keep my, um, my voice off. But yeah, I just got it working uh, bi-directional with a pseudo terminal in OS X. Um, now I'm trying to figure out how to connect it to the real serial port on this PC. But uh, there'll be a patch available soon. Hopefully, it'll get incorporated before the next release. Um, Tim, cool. Is it? Is there an option to bind uh, a TCP socket to that? Um, uh, well, when you use a pseudo terminal, you could use a program called Netcat to bind a TCP program to it. So it's not internal to MAME, but it's a very Unixy way to connect a pseudo terminal to a um, internet port. Yeah, I've nice. used it before. And thus ends the breaking news segment. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's awesome. That well, is awesome. Next to having you know, the uh, speech and sound pack emulated. Uh, it's just, it, there's neat that things are happening. And, and, you know, MAME's a little bit of a different animal than it is like dealing directly with Karen, who's the one single hand in the cookie jar that is X-Roar. Um, I'm, just, I'm just glad I finally know how to pronounce his name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did yeah. it wrong for the first how many episodes? So, um, yeah, so it's cool that, you know, Tim's, Tim's working on MAME. So we have, we have an in to a, to a certain degree because MAME is just a big project. So it's really hard to get any one person, you know. Um, Tim, I got a question for you. I'm listening. Um, now, there's been, I've been working with Ron Klein um, for 6309 versions of the Coco 1, 2, um, and I'm going to be working on trying to add a 6309 version of the Tano and the Dragon 64. Um, what would be the process of getting that officially added into the main MAME branch? Well, you uh, fork the project on GitHub uh, under your username. You create a branch um, with the small change that that would require. And then you issue a pull request. And a man um, who goes by the name of Vas Krab 
uh, will look it over and um, tell you how bad of a person you are and how you didn't use the right spaces or tabs. And then he will eventually incorporate it into MAME. <laughs> Sounds like an episode of Silicon Valley. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a quite so it a fun experience. Perfectly. Yeah, I just, recently, I just recently put in a patch uh, to support this MPI selector switch. I couldn't believe all these years there was no way to set the selector switch inside the emulation. Um, and so last weekend I just sat down and did it and uh, it took about a week to get it uh, applied to the to the to the master branch on on uh, MameDev's um, user, but it did happen. Hmm. Cool. All well, thanks for doing, doing that. that. Yeah. So, so Ken is asking, uh, how many cats in your average <laughs> episode of Coco Talks? <laughs> Mark's it's a drinking got... game. It's a drinking <laughs> game. <laughs> Mark's always got his cat. Jason's usually got a cat. I brought my cat in tonight. So we had. Le- this was at least a three cat, a three cat episode. So we, we got to <laughs> see. I've had my dog on. <laughs> oh, I can't you sit on the desk? Off. Oh, she said, "I'm the off the desk." So, yeah, Ken says, "Mame is a different animal." Ask Billy Mitchell, <laughs> though he's never <laughs> used it. <laughs> and oh, a very old sockmaster was involved in that a bit of that controversy. Yeah. Oh, yes. Another quick question, uh, Tim. Yes. Um, any way that we could get the drive wire part of? Uh, the MAME so that we can actually change the default IP address it tries to connect to? Yeah, uh, I, I guess that's hard-coded into the source. Um, I mean, the the MAME UI doesn't really have any, you know, type-in um, facility. It just has up and down arrows. And, you know, with the 16-bit uh, port number that, you know, if, if you're far away, you can get, it'd take a long time to get to the port number that you want. So, you know, a change like that would have to somehow change the main UI to accept uh, entering in numbers. And, uh, I, uh, you know, that's part of the code base that I just don't go into. A pain in the butt. <laughs> okay. Well, poo. <laughs> we got a request from Grant Lee, uh, David, for you to go to Cocoa Fest dressed up as the Coco Cat. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. good Lord. No. Uh, there's no. Ron and his dog. Which one's which? <laughs> <laughs> the dog gross. has a smaller beard. It's a little whiter than mine. <laughs> it's about the same amount of facial hair, so I was kind of confused. All She's right. going to be 11 next month. <laughs> All right, well, we are reaching the four-hour mark right now on yeah, this, this train ride. So Have we beat this one to death? I believe we've beat this one to death. Really so it's, close. It's midnight. We started at 8 p.m. and it's midnight. So, yeah, this is a four-hour train ride, and that's been fun. I mean, I usually get bored 20 minutes hey, in. So the fact it's, that a, it's, <laughs> it's a quite oh, reasonable 9 p.m. right now. <laughs> Yeah, and we didn't even cover everything we originally were planning on. We never got to the, why did Tandy do that? And Oh, yeah. And we'll we have still have close to 20 people watching, too. I know. So, no, don't forget about Tandy Assembly. Uh, well, what, so what is your date on Tandy Assembly right now? We, we, I, I checked the website. The website itself is not updated, but it was in Facebook, right? So it's October. Well, Tandy I think Assembly's I posted it in Discord. Okay, here's a group. 
Okay, so hold on. We're going to switch to full screen. So there is a Facebook group or an event that's uh, Tandy Assembly 2018. Um, the dates are October 13th and 14th. And right now we know it's in Springfield, Ohio. We don't have an exact um, address or name of location, but we know the city. Springfield, Ohio, home of the Simpsons. So um, so there we have it. We have, we have the date and we have the general area in which it will take place. So that's kind of cool. Basically west of Columbus. West of Columbus. Tom C. It says it's been bludgeoned to death, so it's been beyond beaten <laughs> to death. So. Hey, and Tom's still here. So what's that say? <laughs> yeah, he likes How dead did things. You have that staying power. Obviously, uh, staying power. Everybody likes a good train wreck, right? So um, this was good. This is great. We got a good group. We had some new faces, um, you know. So I think this was a good episode. Surprisingly, the fact that it's been four hours and in at least at least an hour and a half of it's probably been halfway decent. So uh, we got we Tom, got the- Tom says it's a beer. <laughs> so well, we're gonna your summary paragraph. Yeah, no, that was great. He had he had been replying to a few messages. We've been messaging back and forth on Facebook, and I invited him, and I'm glad he was able to make it tonight. So, um, yeah, it was really interesting to hear some of the um, kind of political motivation behind the whole cloning. Um, hey, Steve, is this the long one on record? Longest one on record? Uh, it, it's it's if it's not, it's it going to be the be. second longest one. We might have had a four hour one, but it's it's rare. We we usually average two and a half to three. Yeah, I don't uh, think so. This so let's go for the record. Let's go for a record, man. What do we win? <laughs> <laughs> and it seems even longer. So Yeah. So yeah, we, I think we're actually getting pretty darn close to the actual record. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we can always try to break it another time. Uh, <laughs> we have a wide attend to do that. We can save that for another show. We'll save it for um, I, I just want to plug, too, for the people watching us. I think the people who watch Coco Talk... The, you know, you're familiar with Coco Talk, but I don't think everybody's even familiar with Coco Talk After Dark or maybe has seen it. But w- what I've been wanting to do and what we're going to slowly branch off into is to take Coco Talk and I want to have a show that's like Retro Talk. I've mentioned this and we're going to, you know, make that a little bit more formal. But I think if we can have a show like Retro Talk and we can talk about a, a little bit more wide variety of things, I'm hoping that will expand the audience because it's going to be uh, have a greater interest level and i think this is a great show i think the fact we get a great people a great group of people together and we just talk about the things that we love and the fact we've been doing it for four hours and i'm sure half of us would probably still keep going is pretty good um and and going to that club today there you know eight people it's still if you got eight people who have something in common we spent four hours at the club today just talking about stuff and geeking out i i just think we have that common core of interests and shared interests and, and and I'm hoping that um, a show like this can hopefully enjoy a bigger audience and more people will watch more people will call in um, we can talk about a lot more systems a lot more topics I I have only barely understand one percent of what other retro systems are doing now with their new hardware and their new software so it'd be great to hear from other peoples and other communities uh, about other systems. So stay tuned for shows like Retro Talk, which will cover more things, and we're going to do some random geek talks where we're going to talk about anything, movies and Star Trek and all that kind of stuff. So um, I like the whole idea of just 
talking ad nauseum. Um, so um, look forward to more of those. <laughs> well, I got to say about that. So. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, so we're going to go around the room and just let everybody have any parting thoughts. I'll, I'll leave Grant Leedy for last because he's the sicky. So David Ladd, parting thoughts, words of wisdom, anything you want to plug? Oh, what do I want to plug? Mm. <laughs> no, no crickets. No crickets. No crickets. Um, ESPs. Your Wi-Fi connection to the real world. <laughs> networking, yeah. Sounds good. Mark Overholzer. Oh, networking is useful. And hey, glad to be here. And uh, hey, I got my plane tickets. So uh, yeah. getting closer, getting to Cocoa Fest. Nice. Tim Lindner. And we enjoyed having you today, Tim. Yes. Any parting thoughts? I'll be at Cocoa Fest, too. Uh, good to see you all there, I hope. Excellent. Yep. Excellent. Steve Bjork. Oh, this has definitely been a long one. Uh, <laughs> I may have to take a break from Discord to kind of get the time back a little bit. But no, you'll find me and other folks on Discord having great conversations. Yep. I'm sure it was the first hour or so with all the MC10 talk that was along this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that, that was like that was by itself. <laughs> that was great having uh, Jim Gary just kind of randomly pop in too because he was yes it was yeah I was, was pretty good most of the time you were very you good were. you were very good so, yeah Coco Man well I I I started this up uh, after having Chinese food and now I'm it's it's been four hours so I'm hungry again <laughs> <laughs> excellent CocoMan.org org. Richard Lorbieski. What? <laughs> did you? Did we? I'm sorry. Did we wake you? Yeah. Can, yes. Where's those crickets? We need him. Can you play us out on a troll remark? Oh <laughs> uh, wait a minute. There he is. Yeah. And what do you think about my rap song, Richard? Be honest. <laughs> uh, you know. Gasoline, gas, <laughs> dousing. Um, I don't a cat know. going woof. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Alan Huffman. Now the crickets. had to find the button. While you guys were talking the last eight hours, I got a whole bunch of stuff done. So I'll be posting more updates this week. So uh, this is good. All right. I'll Ra be back. All right. Rendezvous. Yeah, I want to push this here website. Show us your Tandy color computer. Yeah, everybody put your stuff on there. If you haven't or you're scared to, just don't be scared. Put it up from there. Yeah. So don't be scared. That's, that's scared. Hash, hashtag don't be scared. Bill Noble. <laughs> Hello. Parting thoughts? I, yeah, I'm hoping to actually have an actual Coco 3 BBS running in the next week. Nice. On a... Uh, Cocoa on a chip? Yeah, it's going to be on the Cocoa on a chip under Nitrous Nice. So nice. I can you can have pictures to with... download? Uh, actually, it's going to be the entire uh, Cocoa Archive library and the whole works. Wow. Oh, wow. Nice. Awesome. Cool. Nice. 
Why, why bother getting it at high speed internet rates when you can do it over serial speeds? <laughs> yep, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> For the retro, the full retro experience. <laughs> there you go. Relive that 300 baud again. 300 baud modem and no sound chip. We're ready for the retro experience. 40,000 gigabytes of data at 1.2 kilobits per second. <laughs> Curtis Boyle. Just, um, well, thanks for the show again. I'm glad it was a long one, actually, because we had a lot of stuff to cover. Mm-hmm. Um, still working on some level one stuff. We'll do some more optimizations. We're going to find out what the schedule is from Tormod on the release to see how much time I have to cram stuff in. And then it's back to the ease of use package and, mm-hmm. and fixing Run B for the 6 through 9. Nice. Sorry, Mark. Cut you off there. Uh, no, no problem. I was just, uh, <laughs> I don't remember now. Too many things are happening. All right, good. And last but not least, Grant Leedy with his bronchitis. Hey, guys. Hopefully next week I'll be uh, back to normal. This is the uh, longest uh, Cocoa Talk I've ever gone without giving David Ladd a hard time. <laughs> Another For which David is eternally grateful. <laughs> yep, and, and I do greatly appreciate that, Grant. I like being loved, not hated. That's right. Nobody hates you, David. It's just, it's just tough love, right? So, and then I want to acknowledge everybody who's been in the live chat. So we had Steve Powell and Mike Brandt and Ken Can Make It and Mikey N6 Illinois and Extractus, which is um, Brian Joyce and Richard Lorbieski and Tom C and Retro Innovations and David Ladd and Grant Leedy was in the chat and Retro Innovations was in the chat and Coco Man and James Ross was in the chat and Mikey and Mark Overholzer was in the chat and Tom C and Ken and D. Bruce Moore was in the chat. Steve Powell, right? Bruce Moore was on the call earlier. We've had so many people on the call, I don't even remember all of who was on the call. John Linville stopped by for a brief moment. Um, David Ladd and Coco Man and Tom C. and Ken and then Retro Innovations was here too. Jim Brain, Retro Innovations, and then Mark Overholzer. So that's it, folks. We are going to end this four-hour and ten-minute episode, and we're going to play us out right now. But thank you all for being here, and we'll see you again another time. <laughs> and, it's and, a wrap. It's and, a wrap. And we had bye everybody. We had three cats too. Let's not forget the three cats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. We'll see you. We'll see you some other time. Bye bye now. Good night, bye everyone. Thank you for watching Cocoa Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things Cocoa Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. If you love the color computer like we do, then visit imacoconut.com for all your color computer needs. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, then visit our Patreon site at patreon.com slash OGSteviestrow. Coco Talk would not exist without the community and its cast and crew. Thanks go to Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Mark Overholzer, Grant Leedy, Bruce Moore, Rick Adams, Rom Delvaux, Richard Lorbieski, Jim Brain, Nick Marentis, Karen Anscombe, Simon Jonason, Wayne Campbell, Steve Batson, Brian Joyce, John Strong, and Barry Nelson. Special thanks to Steve Bjork for production suggestions and Brian Joyce for our Best of 2017 episode. Please help support the Coco community by visiting some of its contributors. The Coco Crew Podcast at cococrew.org. Glenside Color Computer Club, host of Coco Fest at glensideccc.com. 
Jim Brain and Retro Innovations at go, the number four, retro.com. Tandy Assembly at tandyassembly.com. Cloud9 Technologies at cloud, the number nine, tech.com. Boyson Technologies at B-O-Y-S-O-N, tech.com. Richard, should I play some rap music for you? <laughs> no. <laughs> we'll do it live. What is this to play us out? We need to put some bows on that. <laughs> what a great theme. It is a great theme song. I don't mind listening to it. We need some more kitties it's in actually there. actually awesome. Yeah. David Ladd. Ah! Yeah. Grant Levy. Mark Overholzer. Yahoo! Yeah! Karen. Brendan. Rendezvous. Swag shop. T-shirt. Mikey says, I want more guitar in the outro music. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, note, note to, uh, note to uh, Bruce. Yeah. Crank it up to 11. Got to have more cowbell. <laughs> All right, we're off. No, to you'll get yanked again. <laughs> as long as I don't put any Saturday Night Live footage in there. So, uh, <laughs> we can That's do our the, own cowbell. That was a long show. It was. Yes. <laughs> I am sure it's the longest one we've ever done. <laughs> well, it, I, to be I, honest, it was sure. combining After Dark and the regular show together. So, well, we had yeah. a lot. We had a lot to talk about, and I, I just felt like the past. And by the way, we're off the air live, but I'm still recording for the After Talk for you know. Oh, this and is it, the audio bonus. Yeah. Segment. Um, yeah. I just, well, four just, hours isn't long enough. For no, I mean, listeners. for me, honestly, most yeah. of the time, two hours feels like an eternity when you're just when you're sitting here in this chair. But um, like, we didn't do a lot of news last week either. So I don't, I, I, I don't think it was um, too much over. You know, I don't think anything was overdone too much uh, other than you know no. talking about sound cards for for an hour but uh, <laughs> oh, no. it was the, really only more like the, 35 minutes yeah no because i've been taking notes was having one on here uh, for the first time javier yep. yeah oh yeah yeah and yeah javier yeah yeah both they were great i oh yeah really added something some of the stories from one mm-hmm and I completely forgot to mention that uh, we reached 5,000 downloads on the uh, on the audio side, which is a nice milestone, you know, nice achievement. You just mentioned it now on the yeah. audio program. Yes, on the audio program. <laughs> so, um, no, it was good. It was good. I, I usually I'm, I'm usually tuning out, you know, halfway through the show, but you guys kept my attention the whole time this time. Oh, I, I bet <laughs> yeah, usually glaze over. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought Curtis and tonight was going to put you to sleep. Especially when I started talking the dry wire stuff, right, Alan? No, actually, it is. It's it's interesting. I mean, to me, we were talking about that um, at the meeting today too. Is so that one of the guys? He said, "I oh, mean, I tried dry wire, but it just doesn't seem 
that practical and stuff, I'm going to go, you know, when drive wire becomes practical is when you run it on something like a Raspberry Pi. And with all these Wi-Fi things around the corner, it's not going to be long before we can do it wirelessly. Then it mean then it makes more like it makes more sense. It seems like it makes more sense pra- to me because yeah. I, I, I like Alan. My my Coco is like three floors away from me. So, yeah. So there is there's there's blasphemous. There, Should be right next to you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what is one downstairs? Mine's behind me now, but I'm not running a cable all the way around the room to do it. Well, Mike is having to drill through three floors. <laughs> well, Alan, the the way I'm doing this connection, uh, you might just enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Ah. Uh. No, okay, I'm, I'm definitely wanting to hook one of these up. I, I think that's phenomenal. Then I can have a Raspberry Pi server up on the shelf with all the other equipment. I mean, that, that that's super exciting. I hope, I hope See, you have that showing people how it works at the fest. Well, you know what's actually funny is on the Raspberry Pi 3, I've got it overloaded because I've got too much services running at the same time because I got my SQL server, the Apache, and all this other crap. So, Serial is unreliable on it. After I got too much stuff, the serial operation part of the Java DriveWire is unreliable. I put too much on it. But here's the funny thing. Using the ESP module with it, it was perfectly fine. So how how screwed oh. up is that? No, yes. that makes sense. And yeah, I agree sense. with you, Dave. 